0: Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to We've Got Ward, a Doof Media podcast series where we expertly dissect and discuss Ward Wabo's return to the world of parahumans. My name is Matt Freeman, and I am wearing two pairs of gloves just in case.
1: And My name is Scott Daly, and I've got my bag of blood crumbs to leave a trail as we journey through this labyrinthian novel, which is a word, by the way. I just wrote it down and my computer said, yes, that's yeah. a word.
0: Sure.
1: This is the weekly podcast where Matt and I eagerly dive into Wildbow's world of efficient glove removal, Amy, unfortunately, and alien based death powers as we analyze and interpret this ongoing web serial. This week, we continue to watch cracks appear in arc 14 breaking reading chapters 14.8 and 14.9. Victorian company adjust to life in prison, which involves being extremely uncomfortable, having frank discussions about your relationship status, and getting all the skin ripped off your fingers. When seeking medical attention, Victoria bumps into Amy. And by bumps into, I mean Amy used this opportunity to violate Victoria again. It's just the worst. Matt, what did you think of these two chapters?
0: I mean, you know, it's strange because it, it, you can't just say I love these chapters because it's like it was like being kicked in the nads twice consecutively. Yeah. Um but from a writing perspective and a storytelling perspective, they're 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 brilliant and and I do love them. Um they're harrowing and painful and you know at this point certainly we are so you know in victoria's corner we're so attached to her as our point of view and our protagonist that we really kind of feel the pain when she when she is hurt
1: yeah um which
0: again is good storytelling but like while those really i mean i i would call what happens in 14.9 one of the points that the story has been building up to. Like we've, we've, we've kind of known from a storytelling point of view that was going to happen the whole time.
1: Yeah, we did. And and I, I don't think it went where I thought it was going to with that. Like mm. I knew this confrontation was coming. I knew this moment was going to come. I didn't expect it to come in the way it did. Um, That was the shocking part for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it it's, it's really, it's really handled in really wonderful ways. So yeah, I mean, we're going to talk with i think the same level of excitement we always have towards the story because we love the story so much but the the tone of the content this week is a lot more dire a lot more serious a lot rougher um than than a lot of the stuff we see
0: and yeah right there, there's definitely i was having some kind of mental whiplash this week cuz i was like well i'm i'm obviously going to geek out about the writing just as much as as i always do but the subject matter that's being portrayed through the writing is is a not not something that, that one should be flippant about. So, yeah, um, absolutely. going to have to be uh, balanced on that, I think. Yeah.
1: So we're going to we're going to we're going to try to keep the the right tone throughout all this stuff while also really enjoying what the book is doing, because I'm with you. I think everything throughout that scene, that conversation, another moment in this book, in this in this arc that is serious conversation. Um Mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's fantastically done.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's move on into the chapters. Sure. Um, so we start 14.8, and, you know, it's actually kind of nice because things aren't immediately super, super terrible, right? Um, yeah. So first of all, we check back in with Breakthrough uh, Plus, Golem, and Vista, the gang having set up their little camp to take advantage of the security cameras uh, to keep the other prisoners from bothering them.
1: Yeah. And I think you're right that this is at least the first half of this chapter is relatively okay, Right. Like um, I do think I do think like taking some time to talk about the setting construction here is probably worth it because I I think the detail here is really wonderful. We've got this like we've got this this prison with a glass roof. It it has a lot of glass walls. We're seeing that the people of Shen really like glass, don't they? They really Mm -hmm. they really enjoy glass in their architecture. Um, we, we get these notes that it's clearly not fully sealed because it's leaking, like the the ice or the the snow is melting against the glass and leaking through, and so they're a drippy, wet place. So it's this cold, kind of dank miserable place Victoria describes it as a labyrinth and that's a description she's going to carry throughout both of these chapters tonight um, especially when she starts to fall back on the tension of walking through the hallways and and I, I like there's windows everywhere it's they're exposed to people and elements the hallways are at an incline uh, for just probably just to, to make it uncomfortable <laughs> yeah just, like I, anytime I hear I think of like in a prison with an incline my mind immediately goes to the sky cells in the veil and a song of ice and fire. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, that was way crueler because it was inclined off the edge of a cliff, but my head just goes there immediately. So I just imagine this, this terrible, mis- like uncomfortable situation they're in.
0: Yeah. I, I like that connection a lot. Um, I mean, I, I think that the, like you said, this is kind of a subtly horrible prison, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, the the ground isn't like lined with spikes, right? It's just slightly no, no. sloped so that it's impossible to relax. Yeah, it's like everything about it is uncomfortable and and designed for suffering. Like it it kind of reminds me of like some of like a purgatory or something, you know, where it's like everything about it is is designed to be unpleasant and unsatisfactory.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there seems to be very little private areas. Um, because of those glass walls, cause the guards need to look, look and be able to see through everything, which makes sense in a prison. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, yeah, it's not, it's not good. Yeah. But our characters are doing okay for now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're sticking together at least, right? Like at least yeah. there's some solidarity and, and security they're getting from each other. They're staying together. They're, they're a team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the text. the text here says, um, and Victoria is thinking this stay in, stay st- st- yeah, in stay in sight. Stay clearly under the cameras. We were in a, in a position to manipulate and be model prisoners. That was the game, the charade. It was a game we could cheat at in small ways. Kinsey was a big factor in that, with an eye on the same cameras the guards used. So I like this t- bit here because here wildo's telling us what the game is. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- this is what's going on. Uh, and I know we've pointed this out before, but I find myself endlessly appreciating how he just kind of, Sometimes will tell us what's up when it's important because <laughs> right. I've read so many books that are like an abstruse puzzle for no real reason like you're just like okay but what what the fuck is actually like going on like i I I, I can't care about what's happening because I don't understand what's happening and and, and Wildbow is very good about knowing like I'm gonna just I'm gonna just have the characters say right out in, it, in like very briefly this is what we're trying to do here this is the situation and they're like, okay I got it I've got it." Let's move forward. Uh, and I think this is especially needed in a disorienting and unusual environment and context like this alien prison that they're in.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, th- there are moments in storytelling where ambiguity is good and necessary and helps with the tension or the drama of the scene. And there's moments where you don't want to rely on subtext to communicate your message. You want some of the stuff to just be clear and accepted and straightforward. Um, and this is one of those moments. I agree that the emotion of this scene this this area that this part of the story we're in is not connected to what are the heroes trying to do what are the bad guys trying to do it is more amy specific it is more revolving around this victoria amy relationship that other stuff is is not as important so there's no reason for it to not be clear yeah yeah and i was i was thinking about this because victoria is like actually a really good character for that general idea just like just like her scholarly analytical nature enjoys breaking down situations like this in a way that like makes it very clear to us as well as her. Um, And it's been a while, I think since you and I have compared Victoria to Taylor, but it strikes me that back in worm, we kind of made similar comments about Taylor. That was like, Oh, she's the perfect personality to be the point of view character of the story, and I think we're seeing kind of the same thing with Victoria here. And and like I thought that, and I was like, well, that's faulty logic. Like, of course she is. Like the story's built. <laughs> the story's built around. That's like saying, isn't it crazy how the Earth just so happens to be the perfect planet to support human life? <laughs> of course it does. Right. That's how that happened. But I yeah. think that's. A, I think that's that is a strength to the writing that like you take your character, you define your character's traits, and then you kind of build the story around ways in which you can make take maximum advantage of those traits
0: yeah that's that's really well said um you know i, I also i'm fascinated by this particular thing that wild Blood does here because i i think that i have for most of my life actually misunderstood the adage show don't tell because i i would i think that i have typically applied it in some places where it shouldn't be and then not applied it in places where it should be and this is one where like i might you know if if i were writing a story i might say like well i'm not just going to tell the reader what's what's going on in the situation because that that's telling i should show i should show what's going on in the situation and the thing is like nah there's no reason why you shouldn't just clarify <laughs> the situation like yeah. you're you're i mean first of all he he is showing us the situation he's just also making sure that it's clear on top of that um and it doesn't take anything away from it. Like the place where you want to show don't tell is like the details of character interactions and how, how they are internally and amongst themselves. Like that's, yeah. that's a place where humans are good at and want to make inferences, but we don't want to be like, it's like a burden to make us make inferences when it's like, okay, what's happening? What, what <laughs> Like if you, if you don't know what's happening, then you can't care. So
1: yeah. 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 And, and I've been critical of the story in the past of moments where I thought it um, made things a little too explicit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not one of them for me. No, yeah. I think I think this is absolutely necessary. Um, it helps frame, it helps frame the conflict around mm-hmm. with that we're gonna see with this gang coming up in a little bit.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, apparently Kinsey is now doing some tinkering using uh irritating humming. <laughs> Uh, and also Kenzie is connected to all three of her teammates around the clock, including while sleeping, which we kind of suspected. But this is made explicit and, and the the, uh, the team discusses it in this chapter.
1: Yeah, this is I mean, it, it's interesting, though, because I feel like we've been we talked about this a bit last week, but I feel like we've been going kind of back and forth with Kenzie a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a bit ago about how we're seeing all these red flags and it got me really stressed out about her. And then last week we had this amazing moment with Chris that I think was symbolic of some real uh, understanding, achieve and achieved and growth in the character. She said bad things about a person she liked, Matt. That's wow. Um, But we still do have these moments of concern, like like Kenzie, Aiden, Darlene, just being connected to each other basically constantly now Um, scares the shit out of me. It really does. Like I I worry like you, you think back like Aiden was talking to Victoria not too long ago about how he was feeling a little overwhelmed with the amount of connection mm-hmm. with, with Kenzie now. Right. And he's too nice of a guy to be like, Hey, disconnect me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so like, I'm just seeing all three of them connected and I'm wondering what's going on in his head. And this, it really, really, really scares me.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny because th- these aren't necessarily the kinds of things that I cue into when I'm reading. Um, so I, I, I just kind of like it that you're pointing that out. Cause now that you do point it out, I'm like, I, I imagine her team being like having conversations where they're like, you know, I really want to disconnect, but if we disconnect then we can't reconnect to Kenzie and, and right. she'll, and she'll be, and she'll freak out. And so we, we don't want to do that to her, but also I kind of want to disconnect. Like, like, I don't know, I don't know that's what's happening, but like, you, you just imagine this, the, like the stress this is putting on, on everything pretty much.
1: Yeah. And th- I mean, there's also a part of it where you're like, Hey, Darlene needs connections. Mm-hmm. Kenzie likes connection. Maybe these are the perfect friends for each other. Like in the back of your head, you're like, maybe it's going to be OK. Yeah. And I don't know. And I think I think the text is fairly intentionally ambiguous about this as well, because I think even Victoria's like, I don't know. Like when when Vista says this weird and creepy, her response is, yeah. And she laughs and says, absolutely but it's complicated. And I mean, that that acknowledgement that this is not just a simple of like, Kenzie, you must stop doing this, that it's, it's a, it's more complicated than that. And how to approach this is complex and how to approach Kenzie is complex. I, I really like it. I I like that. There's no easy answer here. It's very easy for me to say that connection while sleeping, that's bad. But we talk about, you know, it's helping her sleep, right?
0: Yeah. 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 I I, I don't necessarily think it's a terrible thing. I think it's the kind of thing where, Maybe they're overdoing it right now and sure. and they'll rein it in and they'll have some um, some mature boundaries around it. Like their they're kids, they're still learning. They're still experimenting yeah. with their yep. powers. And I like it's one of those things where like it, it seems like a red flag, but it could just be like I, I think the amount of time that I spent in like chat rooms when I was 14 was probably <laughs> also like not. It like unhealthy in a similar way to this constantly being connected thing.
1: Oh my god, so many chat rooms! It, yeah. You just gave me all kinds of flashes, and that's
0: right. If, wow. if if you judged if you judged me based on the the chat rooms that I was in, then you'd probably be really worried. But now I'm like, no, now no, I'm <laughs> you're okay now. I'm, I'm okay now. <laughs> I'm not that on my. Oh, oh, I am.
1: Oh no, yeah, no, I get you. Okay, I yeah.
0: got you. Um, I loved Ashley trying to reassure her though that Kenzie, uh has has Ashley at least she says i've died a bunch of times and i'm still here uh, which is delightful and then kenzie falls asleep using ashley's leg as a pillow
1: yeah i mean i love that ashley line but kenzie's right here like they're capes like ashley will be here for her as long as she's still alive but they're they're capes yeah. ashley could die tomorrow and like it's 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 a great comfort for sure but it's not a solution Mm-hmm. Definitely not. It is not something that's just going to make Kenzie go, oh, okay, okay. You love it because you love Ashley and you love that she, she means exactly what she says there, that, that she is fully, fully committed to to Kenzie yeah. and always will be. But
0: yeah, her capes. Yeah, I'm, I'm catching this, this kind of background theme with Kenzie where she's, she's beginning to realize maybe that like no matter what she does, there's always the risk that she could lose her important people and um which would be which is like a terrible terrifying thought to her even more than it is for you know for a regular kid even even people who don't have kenzie's issues struggle with with these thoughts yeah um yeah. and and yeah she could lose ashley but like and, and you know maybe she's coming to to a more mature understanding of like well yeah you could lose anyone at any time it's true it's just true right <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and it and it sucks, but we we like as humans have to kind of find a way to to deal with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of part of growing up a little bit is yeah. deal is is realizing that the impermanence of everything.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so I love Ashley looking at Victoria to confirm that she's aware of the gang of prisoners that are kind of encroaching on them, mm-hmm. and Vicky noticing her "quote unquote" almost normal eyes.
1: Isn't that fascinating? Because like. Ashley's eyes have been this recurring beat for us, especially recently. Um, Like seeing the lack of anything in Ashley's eyes as, as a moment of fear or, or, or or concern about how she's doing. And now we get, uh, we get her in a place where um, she is, she's got the pupil thing turned off. She's got the smokiness turned off. Um, They're just her eyes now. And yet Victoria says, almost normal not normal her eyes look normal they're almost normal right yeah <laughs> I think that's so fascinating that like she there, there's t- to to Victoria there's still something in her expression that is just slightly off of normal
0: mm-hmm. yeah well I think her aren't and, and that's the thing is I was like wait a minute is, is it just that her irises are really pale is that is that what makes it not normal or is it just that Ashley <laughs> is a bit <laughs> off to her um, I think
1: I think I think uh I think it's she's just she's just a little bit off. Yeah. Like Ashley's like Ashley has made such progress and she's great um but she as we'll see in this conversation right here she ap- still approaches things from a different perspective than Victoria does. And mm-hmm. I think that to me that translates in how she she describes the way she looks.
0: Yeah, I like that. Um sorry. Yeah. So there's this interaction between them like you were saying it it indicates kind of that there is a disconnect between them but they still get along really well and and it's just it's just like so ashley says if her path to happiness means weirdness or blackmailing her parents or staying up late tinkering then i'll support that don't get me wrong i don't think it does require those things but if it did or if it does in the future i wouldn't necessarily stand in her way i wasn't sure how to respond to that
1: (laughs) that's great it is i like it a lot and it's this kind of fascinating rumination on how to assist someone in their recovery right Mm -hmm. um and we kind of go back we go back to kenzie's we didn't read kenzie's monologue but she sits there and, and tells what the spooky stuff is um being alone spending her life pushing things away never having anyone for christmas christmas is just herself just buying herself a present and always me smiling smiling uh sending treats to the needy for Christmas and doing tinker stuff too, because I always go to do tinker stuff and it's just really, and you can kind of hear Kenzie's voice. She's probably saying it very fast. There's no pausing between words. There's some commas in the sentence for grammar purposes, but I don't think Kenzie pauses. <laughs> um, and, and, and yeah, what she's basically arguing here is that like she, she lays asleep, she lays in her bed at night and all this stuff hits her thoughts and she has trouble breathing and connecting to Darlene and Aiden calms that anxiety Mm -hmm. like like feels their calmer breathing and that calms her down and and that's what the argument here is that like if kenzie's path going forward involves needing stuff like this stuff that people would call creepy and weird ashley says well then she should get that yeah Um, and there there are problems to that mythology of course like there there are going to there are going to be issues like saying um saying if she needs to blackmail her parents in order to be okay well shit then blackmail those parents um not great but i i love it represents like this kind of love that that ashley has for kenzie yeah. like and not uh, unconditional almost yeah
0: like, i was basically going to say that that ashley i think loves uh, Kenzie, more like a, a sister, or or even like a mother, um, a, a big a big sister maybe, or a mother. I mean, it's it's all kind of the same emotional package, right? Yeah. Whereas I think Victoria is is very fond of Kinsey, um, considers herself somewhat responsible for Kenzie for taking care of her, for mentoring her. Um, but it's it's not it's not at all the same kind of uh, emotional valence. Yeah. And I mean, it reminds me like this is a weird place to take it, maybe, but like it reminds me of the whole concept of of the show Dexter and, and like specifically like how the conceit of the show is like his, his father or whatever, like realized that he was basically a a killer at heart. And so channeled his terrible tendencies into something that was like acceptable and, Mm -hmm. and like moral within certain bounds. And, and it's this, you know, it's funny because like as a parent, you, you think you, you, as soon as you become aware of the Dexter concept, you're like, would I, would I help my child (laughs) be a, be a better serial killer and i mean i think the answer is like uh yeah, probably honestly <laughs> um but like the, i mean the, the, the what i'm what i'm getting at is i think that ashley is basically saying i'm i'm on kinsey's side no matter what and i will help her do things that are even quote-unquote bad or or even <laughs> actually bad <laughs> if yeah. it if it helps her
1: I don't know if there's quote unquoting and yeah. and blackmail.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah,
1: no, I I, I get what you mean. There, there's actually a book I read about that. Um, it's called Defending Jacob. Uh-huh. The concept of the novel is like, um, a lawyer's son is charged with murder, and he's defending his son in court. He's kind of slowly realizing over time that oh crap (laughs) there's a good chance my kid actually did this and like what do you do do you do you keep like what's the right path in that and that's yeah that's a tough complicated thing to look at and i I agree that that is kind of very similar to ashley's relationship Mm -hmm. but i mean you've just said that kenzie is dexter and the the community (laughs) is gonna just just flip out
0: yeah but But then uh, i said that i would defend my own serial killer children which is Probably a worse thing. So hopefully yeah, they, they pay more attention that's to that true. part. I'm
1: I'm gonna keep a, a close <laughs> eye on your kids, man.
0: <laughs> Very uh, close eye. Uh, don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> um, so now this group of ruffians shows up, and they are like basically a guided missile aimed at breakthrough. And this is not a Chekhov's gun that will remain cocked for long because it yeah. goes off in the same chapter.
1: Yeah, I really like how the text chooses to point them out. Though Wildbo once again uses Victoria's fashion sense to construct the war a little bit. Like, it, it, there's this this hierarchy of prison uniforms where, like, everyone eventually gets a uniform, but everyone also comes in with their own clothes. They let them keep their own clothes. So, like, the people that have been there longer are wearing the uniform, but mixed in with scraps of their the clothes they came in on I, that's like a, a really wonderful world building detail of this prison that of course victoria is the perfect person to immediately pick up on because that's just that's just what she does i really love it
0: yeah um and, and it's just very atmospheric right like yeah y- you can really like it's it's cinematic like you can imagine this being a show and like the the look of these of these of these hardened people who've been in there for a while and they're Their ramshackle, kind of post-apocalyptic looking, half prison uniform, half scraps, literally scraps of clothing. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. So uh, Vista uh, camps the Byron spawn at his mattress (laughs) and gets him to sit down and is immediately like, eh, eh, just for the sake of argument, if you were to start seeing a girl, what are the rules of engagement? And then the text says, I turned to look at Vista, my eyes widening. She ignored me. (laughs) <laughs> and i love i love this whole this whole bit here i'm so glad we get this it's just, yeah just vista and byron trying to find some happiness in this world uh and also can't help but see it as like an intentional opposite to what happens in the next chapter
1: yeah i did this thing where i was like reading through the chapters and and formulating my part of the script this afternoon and i i, I picked up on that too this idea how much this uh, is like a uh, the better, ver- like the the good version of everything terrible that happens in the next chapter. Yeah, and I was like, Matt, I discovered this thing, uh-huh. and then I like immediately read your script and was like, Oh, well, so did you? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I, I think this is very important. We have Vista approach Byron here, set him aside for a conversation. She likes him. She wants to be hit with him in some way, but she respects him. She respects Tristan. She knows it's complex, and she wants to try anyway. But she understands that uh that there are rules the first thing she asks about like you said the first thing she asks about in this conversation is what are the rules what are the boundaries establish the guidelines for me up front and then she leaves the conversation with introspect on it digest st- see how you're feeling about it talk to tristan see how he feels about it tristan you can talk to me if you want if any of you have concerns or doubts or if you want to let me down easy just say it's too complicated or there's too much going on i'll understand And this is this idea of throughout this whole thing, this idea and and this desire from Vista of informed consent for every party involved in this whole thing. Nothing is going to happen here unless every single party in this is is on board and we're going to establish this ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And if it's a no go, I walk away and we're good. This is how these things are supposed to work, right? Like this is this is the ideal that people should be striving for in their relationships especially in relationships where people have complex baggage and 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 different stipulations and rules and and, and things that are, are are not the the standard relationship path um and and it does it makes a fascinating contrast to everything terrible that happens in the next chapter it's almost as if we're setting this up on purpose we're saying like look this is how it's supposed to work this is th- in a healthy balanced relationship where there's where there's respect this is how it's supposed to work and i love it
0: yeah right it's it's this ultimate like instruction manual for how to have a mature uh interaction and and the thing is it's it's also extremely charming and cute and adorable and and it makes you smile which which is great because like I, i don't know i mean i think there's a human tendency to think that if you if you have these explicit conversations then it like sucks the romance out of the situation and and the fact is that it doesn't have to no, and and absolutely this not. this scene shows that it doesn't have to because it's i mean like there there's it's it, it maybe even improves it because Byron I don't think would have even been open to any kind of um you know um overture yeah. unless yeah. it were packaged within like look this is going to be I'm I'm going to be extremely patient and And we're going to talk to Tristan and it's all going to be. um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Vista is initiating the conversation. She's saying, I want to have a conversation. I want to talk about this. And then it goes forward naturally. And then when it's over, she leaves right. <laughs> like like that's important. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I agree with you about the, 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 the flirtiness is so great. The whole the whole black night, blue night thing. I loved that. Yeah. Um, I love how it ends. I love how he says, let me be a gentleman as a way of thanking you for being cool. I'm not good at this whole thing, but it kind of made my week. And her response is it making your week makes my month. So there take that. That's adorable. That's yeah. adorable. I love it. I love it so much. Me too. Um, I really hope these guys find a way to work this thing out. I know it's complicated. I know it's not going to be easy. Um, but if if there's going to be hope, this is the path, right? And yeah. and that's really encouraging. And it makes you happy. And and seeing these characters that you care about happy is great. Especially, yeah. especially I agree. We need this. We need this. The rest <laughs> of these chapters are going to be tough.
0: Yeah, I'm so we glad. Need, this, we need a little bit of this. I'm so glad this is not dead. Yeah. Oh my god. I, and yeah. you know, I only noticed this because I'm staring at this at this text. But um, you know, Vista commits a little a little Tristan Byron faux pas because she she talks past Byron. She says, "Tristan, you can talk to me if you want." Mm-hmm. And, and it's like in this situation, she's obviously trying really hard to be sensitive. And it's like you you just already know that that the the two brothers aren't gonna hold this against her. Like maybe they'll mention later, like you know. That, that's one thing that like we we prefer you not do that. But like in this moment, it's like you can't you're not like you can't be mad at her for that. Right. So it's yeah. like it's it's all about kind of intention and, and where the heart is.
1: And maybe it's wishful thinking, but I'm imagining Tristan's point of view throughout this whole conversation. And unlike in his interlude, where his point of view at Byron's stumbling and foot in mouth nature about flirting, um, there was animosity there. Yeah. There was like, you stupid, you're so bad at this, you're terrible. This to me, even as Byron is doing the same thing, an, even as he's stumbling, he's not doing too really good at flirting. He's a little bit awkward about this whole thing. In my mind, I just see Tristan as being more like, oh, Byron, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> like, like much. Like, I just see the animosity not there. And maybe I'm just reading into that. And there's nothing textual that says that or not. It's just my feel of where the characters are right now. Uh, and I, I I love that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my my like, man, that, that that's kind of a rabbit hole to go down, right? This idea that. We we do kind of like as we're reading the scene, there's nothing about Tristan, but I'm totally having this little movie in my head off to the side of like what Tristan is thinking and how he's reacting. And and I almost can't help it. I almost can't not do that. It's it's the yeah. same. It's the same way that like when I'm in a real life social situation and someone says something like off color, I'm like instantly aware of like the reactions of everyone else, even if I literally can't see them. You know what I mean? Yeah, like like yeah. you're always tracking and modeling these things. And you do the same thing when you're reading you do the same thing for fictional characters so like yeah i mean we 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 do have every single reader does have their own little inner tristan and I, and i agree with you my inner inner tristan was like happy this is happening and, and maybe <laughs> even trying to think through like before he even has his turn like what am i gonna what am i gonna say to byron like that in terms of what the boundaries should be so that i can make this kind of work for him as well as i as well as i can tolerate you know we, we can we can meet in the middle somehow
1: yeah yeah and uh, yeah i just like i i imagine this moment where byron says um i'm not good at this whole thing but it kind of made my week byron's chivalrous moment i imagine tristan going yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> like just going like fuck yeah you did it yeah good job buddy um yeah. i don't know yeah I, I hope i hope that's what's going on and i hope we're not i hope tristan's animosity is not returning um but I don't know. I don't I'm
0: know. Not, I, I think it is. I mean, I feel like I feel pretty comfortable saying that. But then, like, the story can always prove me wrong. But yeah. I, I feel like Cur- that's I feel kind of like that's where we're going with the Capricorn brothers. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we will. There's been tension recently, but that was all the teacher stuff. So,
1: we'll yeah. See. And, and yeah, I mean, the the cool thing about the book is we, we honestly don't know how much of that is. How much of that was just a performance and how much there uh, is underlying truth. under True. There. True. Um, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So yeah, he, he leaves, um, and then we get one of the little gold morning symbol page breaks and that, you know, normally we would just ignore or just kind of move past it. But, uh, I just want to point out like Victoria, like Bible uses these a lot actually, mm-hmm. and they mean different things. So like here it means page break or or section break or whatever. It, it's a, it's a web serial. So there's no pages, but I kind of call them page breaks. I don't yeah. know. Uh, Denoting Victoria sleeps the the night passes it's the next day sometimes though they mean uh imp has used her power and wiped out some memory uh sometimes they mean sometimes
1: it's a point of view shift
0: sometimes a point of view shift um sometimes it's uh a a massive change in a in a character's perspective as they enter or break out of a master effect uh, in, in the case of goddess so They don't, they don't like, like, there's no, there's no code to crack in the sense of like, what do these mean? It's like, well, they mean, they mean something has changed. Yeah. Right. And so I'm just pointing out that so that when we get to. For no apparent reason at all. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: No, I think, I think that is important. And I think we'll see another one of them um, before, before the incident in question that you're talking about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the next day they're in the chow line and Theo explains how the prisoners actually like they they want to be singled out for punishment because if they are punished, it can mean that their sentence is sort of used up in a sense uh, or, or like there's an allotted amount of getting their ass kicked. And then they just want to get it all out of the way so they can get out of prison faster.
1: Yeah, yeah i I like this because like like we said, we started out this chapter in this kind of calm, collected, adorable like they're in prison, yes, it's a bad situation, but nothing bad has happened yet, and so we we're having moments of like just not as as stressful times um and then uh then the tone shifts uh it, it, we move from this adorable vista byron interaction, it's the morning now, and with the morning come problems and I, I like i like how the the end of the this sec- you were just talking about the section break the end of the last section kind of sets this up for us like it, it, the the lines are into the small hours of sunrise and the light of dawn on an alien earth and of course we're, we're talking once again about how we use light and and the me and, and the different meaning of light and sunrise this is, it, the sunrise brings the dawn on this alien earth and what that brings with it is problems yeah. um suddenly our characters are are in in this room, it's crowded. Victoria describes it as it's dense enough that there wasn't a place to stand where we could extend our arms fully to each side. So like people are packed in there, it's crowded. And then we're told some of these people want to be punished, which not only reminds us that our characters are in the rehabilitation section of prison, not just the, the holding. Um, And, and, and so we're, we're seeing that a thing is probably going to happen to them at some point, but also we, we're starting to see just how warped the justice system actually is and it's like it's a really great way of easing you into sorry guys we're we're ramping up tension again like the your your calm peaceful night is over it's time for the day it's time to get worried again
0: yeah yeah i like that that that's um just kind of layering on the the psychological kind of horror of what's going on in in this prison that's great yeah
1: yeah and i want to i want to pause on this for a little bit here because we see rain kind of talk through their system right He says the rebuilding is supposed to be according to strict rules and shit. Revise and uncover coping mechanisms, perspectives, toxic relationships. Really big focus on the rehabilitation part. I'm really not sure how I feel about it. The idea of going and within a year or three being done, being allowed to reenter society. That sounds good enough that I could see myself looking past the brainwashing. And Ashley like immediately points out that like rain saying he could look past the brainwashing is like a big deal because like that's the source of everything that he's gone through before has been brainwashing in some form uh-huh. or fashion um and i i really i really appreciate we're, we're introduced to the system that i think seems pretty barbaric on the surface like when people are wanting to be brutalized and tortured um it, it comes off as like Holy shit, that's terrible. Um, But but through rain, we're offered a perspective on maybe why a person would want this, like why a person would look at this and say, "Yeah, okay, okay, I'll do that." Um, And and it's not it's not that that's not that I think the book is like saying the Shin justice system is the ideal system for punishment and rehabilitation, but I think it's important to give a perspective to kind of understand the people that are here, understand why people would would be okay with this and kind of maybe tangentially understand why people would go to Amy and be like, yes, fix my brain. Yes. um, Make me not a criminal anymore.
0: Yeah, I like that. And also, I I feel like different people can have a different definition of what brainwashing is, right? Like, sure, sure. Like, like, I don't know. I mean, you could call a lot of what you can call a lot of uh, accepted institutions in our society brainwashing if you were cynically minded about them. Um, like, I, I guess maybe part of it is that I don't, I don't even actually see what aspect of this rain is calling brainwashing. Like, to yeah. me, it seems a lot like what it, it seems no worse than what we already do. And we don't tend to call it brainwashing. But
1: well, I mean, I I don't know how much of it, how much of this is like Star Trek next generation four lights-esque torture right right i think i think that's that's a pretty big part of the rehabilitation i think and i would call that brainwashing i mean i think that's the 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 message of that episode of tng mm-hmm. is kind of like pushed enough you'll you'll start to believe it like that's mm-hmm. the end of that episode is you know for a minute there i actually did see five lights mm-hmm. um and uh, you know that's like not good not good yeah. at all <laughs> um,
0: I know. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Like we we haven't been explicit about what this this torture, what these kind of struggle sessions actually look like. But yeah, that's probably where the, the meat of it is. I agree. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like it, it's a it's a great it's a great way of I, like I said, I think it does two things. I think it establishes the, the, the brutal nature of this world. But also if you establish something that brutal, I think you need to like like at least Wildbow wants you to understand a little bit a little bit of the psychology of the people that would do that, and I think yeah. Rain is a great tool with that, because if Rain is a guy who wants to be better and he he wants he he like wants to do the time and to get better and then to go out there and do good, and that's what he wants, and you give him a path to that, yeah, maybe the path is work, worth worth f- five lights. I don't know.
0: yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I I hadn't really thought of it quite the way you're you're putting it, um, but I think you're exactly right. That's cool.
1: Yeah, and I, I just want to say I'm not saying that this is a good. <laughs> what I'm not saying here is this. This is a good method of of justice. I do not think it is. But I think I think it's important that we understand people.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think I don't know if I have any. Like, if if you you know if you put a gun in my head, I don't think I could tell you like what's the what's the best. What's the best way of doing a criminal justice system? Like, yeah, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That sounds like a really hard problem to me.
1: I would be very dubious of someone that offers an answer <laughs> that's very simple to that question. Yeah.
0: Good point. Uh, so as we're as we see them in the in the lunch room, Vista and Tristan are hanging are hanging out. Uh, seems positive. Seems good.
1: Yeah, it's it's really the only indication we get this week of of the aftermath of their conversation. Um, and I agree we're meant to see this as a positive sign. Like she said, Tristan, if you want to talk to me about and work through this, I'll do it. And then we see them talking. So, um, I think it's important that it's Tristan here, right? Like Wildbo could have shown Byron and Vista talking here. Mm. And I think a message would have been conveyed there. It's like, Oh, maybe they're, they're working it out. But showing Tristan here, I think is evident of the communication, the, the three way communication is happening. Right. And that's that's encouraging. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, I, I like that we're we're having this conversation today about this idea of like the stuff that we the the character moments that we're simulating in our head that are not actually on the page, mm-hmm. um, because I totally just, you know, when when Victoria said like, yeah, you know, uh, Tristan and Byron swapped, which involves them going into like a private bathroom, basically. I, I was like, yeah, they, they probably had like a pretty a pretty short conversation there. Because when they can like basically when when they can swap privately is the only time when they can have a conversation. Yeah, that's true. And, um, and you know, we don't know what, what was said, but now we see that Tristan is is, you know, hanging out happily hanging out with Vista. And, and uh, that's that's all positive and suggests that it suggests that everyone is kind of on the same page uh, or, or at least trying to be on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. It, it,
1: this is I don't think this this means that, hey, it's going to work out. Right. Yay. Right. No, not at all. Not yeah. at all.
0: Yeah, that would that would be simplifying it, but I think there's goodwill uh, on on all parts here.
1: Yep, I agree. Okay, well, that's yep. all the good things that happened.
0: Let's yeah, we're done. With, <laughs> we're done with that. We're f- about forty minutes in, so the rest is just going to be pain. Uh, so the guards, along with a cohort of prisoners, the gang I think from earlier, converge on breakthrough. The team rushes to hide Kenzie's tech before it's discovered, um, and then they're they're roughly searched before they can do anything to prepare against the attack um, they are assaulted uh, the woman from the previous night throws a ball tied to a wire and manages to shred off a good patch of skin from Victoria's hand
1: uh, i don't uh,
0: <laughs>
1: i don't do good with uh. like that kind of that that kind of gore like i watch scary movies all the time i watch gory movies all the time like i feel like hand gore gets me yeah it's like hands are important
0: <laughs> yeah uh, so so I, I was going to wait to read this chapter, and then I accidentally looked in the spoilers, the word spoilers channel of our <laughs> Discord. It was a legitimate accident, and I just my eyes just saw the word degloved, and I was like, "Shit, I can't." I can't not read the chapter now. Oh, boy. So this was last Tuesday. That's so great. That's why I read the chapter last Tuesday. It's because, because I read the word degloved, and I was like, well, that's there's no there's no positive way that word has been used ever. So
1: Yeah, I, w- what I really appreciate about this is the second this happens, you, you, like every everything changes, right? But in the back of your mind, and this might not even be conscious yet, in the back of your mind, you're like, Victoria's injured amy's here yeah and 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 i think I think that's in your head for from from this moment until Victoria opens her eyes and Amy is standing there i think the it almost becomes inevitable yeah um and I, like i i love i I think Wildbow knows that like he he knows that you're going to be thinking that and he constructs this ramp up of tension um to to play off of, of that feeling that everyone's having.
0: Sure. I mean, I I think that as soon as I saw the word degloved, literally completely out of context, I was like, Oh shit, somebody's horribly maimed. And the, 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 the implication is Amy is going to have to be involved somehow. Like, like, like you said, it's, it's, the story has set up so well that that is the stakes, right? The yeah. stakes is not the injury. The stakes is, oh shit, Amy's going to be involved.
1: Yeah, and, and it plays that as an inevitability at this point, And that, yeah. that ratchets up the horror. Yeah. Um, there, I, I like this moment where she's about, the, the lady throws the ball of, of wire at her. And, and it says, I reached out to SWAT at the Tiny Lemon, ready to use my power, timing the wretch with, with the SWAT. And then reconsidered. Power use? Could I get away with it? I could. I would have, but my hesitation threw off my timing and I was a hair too late. I love this moment um, because if you remember, it's, it was a long time ago. Think back four weeks ago.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, chapter one of this arc. This the same arc that we were still in. yeah. The
1: same arc that we're still in. Uh, chapter one of this arc. Victoria is tr- sparring with Annalise and he is telling her that she needs to stop overthinking and trust her instincts a little more. Trust her instincts and react Instead of thinking the situation through. And here we are, chapter eight, and Victoria doesn't instinctually react. She pauses and hesitates just a little bit, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's enough. It's enough to hurt her. And I, I, I really like this. I, I like it's, it's such a clever way of bringing that old conversation back to the fore in a, in a way that doesn't have to be explicit.
0: Yeah, i i adore it as well i do wonder what exactly it's saying because i've seen her kind of warrior monk thoughtfulness and and caution as she wades into combat situations as being like a sign of of her growing maturity you know it's certainly in con in contrast to glory girl i guess maybe the answer is like you know, Annalise wants to make her into someone who I think he even says something like this. Like, I, I do want you to do the right thing. I just want you to do it faster.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, right. Which,
0: which again, would be, would be what, you know, she, she did have the right instinct. She, if she had gone, yeah. she says it here, if she'd gone with her instinct, she would have succeeded.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I think it, it all comes, I think it it comes back down to trusting yourself to instinctually know what the right thing is. And Victoria has a lot of trouble doing that. That's why she goes through these things because Victoria still sees the actions she did as Glory Girl as part of her. And she's terrified that if she doesn't think through everything, that's her natural state and she's gonna fall back to it. But Victoria's different now. She's changed. And I think part of that change is recognizing to trust that change in you a little bit and to trust that instinct in you a little bit. Um, it is interesting though, because there's, there's almost a, a recreation of this moment with Amy where, um, she's about to like react with her power to Amy touching her and, she pauses to think about what the what the result of using her power on Amy could be for the people of Gimel. And it it causes her just like here to hesitate for just a fraction of a second too long. And that's how Amy is able to get a hand on her. Now, um, you know, individually, that's bad for Victoria. But it's hard for me to look at that and say she made the wrong choice there. Like, yeah, because I, I mean, I think as terrible as Amy is and we'll get into it um, just like killing her with the wretch in that that moment like wouldn't have made Victoria feel better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean it would have solved her immediate problem which is good because her immediate problem is Amy doing awful awful things to her. But um, yeah I mean I, I, I don't know if I don't know if I look at that moment as Annalise was right again. You should have you should have acted more instinctually you know. And I think that's the the, the not necessarily cut and dry nature of this. Sometimes consideration is important. Sometimes instinct is needed.
0: One thing I've been thinking about with these two chapters and considering everything that happens in them is like, if, if it turns out that all of this is for nothing and Gimel doesn't get the supplies from Sheen, that says one thing. If it turns out that all of Victoria's sacrifices enable the relationship with Sheen to be repaired and save millions of people, that says another thing. And it's interesting how it's almost like e- the the story withholds judgment on the almost the morality of her choices until we see the consequence. I don't know if I'm thinking yeah. about that right, but I don't know morality
1: is right. the right word, but I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Like they are. I mean, throughout this, the entire chapter and a half now, everyone in this group, it's constantly making a choice to value this potential arrangement for the sake of gimmel over their own personal safety secure and security like mm-hmm. they make that decision constantly again and again and again victoria makes it again and again and again and yeah i mean i think the the end result i don't think it changes the meaning for it in the moment but i think it does it does reflect on thematically what, the, yeah. what that's saying
0: what the story is saying yeah yeah I, like because i agree i'm i'm kind of uncomfortable uncomfortable saying like whether this was a good choice or not depends on what some third party decides I don't think that's true actually like like I'm inclined to say this was a good choice even if it results in horrible consequences because it was true to her like heroic nature Um, but it could still result in even worse consequences and it it could be it could be like oh it was actually for nothing Um, yeah yeah we'll see we'll see yeah yeah so this is a pretty cool fight overall Mm -hmm. because uh, so the next thing that happens Vista I think, tries to redirect the second projectile, which saves Victoria from maybe being decapitated, but doesn't save her hand from even worse damage.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. Like we the text says the wire is like curving around to hit her and that suddenly goes straight instead and hits a guard. And Mm -hmm. that's when it kind of cuts up a guard a little bit. Um, And. I think I think Victoria describes that as some fucky stuff yeah. <laughs> um uh, which is like kind of what we what we use for power wonkiness. So yeah. I, I definitely think you're right that that's Vista doing some stuff.
0: Yeah, and I, that I guess that's what I love about this fight is that you've got all these strong capes and um most of them don't use their powers at all. A couple of them use their powers in in the the quietest of ways as as March might put it. Yeah. Um in, in ways where you know they're in this dense melee and no one even notices that the powers are being used. Um and then like Theo, you know, he, he grabs the wire on purpose and he cuts himself with it, and then he uses his power to basically cut the the woman who's holding the wire using his fingernails, um using his like hand projection power, but in again in, yeah. in, in the most subtle and unnoticeable way. Um and, and yeah, so like you've got you've got this this tense fight where the heroes are surrounded. Um, and they're having to defend themselves from grievous harm without using their powers too overtly, but like the stakes are real. Like these people really want blood. Yeah, um, everybody's injured. Sveta, Tristan, Rain, um, the, the, the whole mob—not just the gang that's attacking them specifically—turns against them. The guards are turned against them. It's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's brutal.
1: Yeah. And I like that it kind of gets it's brutal and it gets confusing in a way that we don't normally see. Like Victoria even says, I wasn't sure what happened next as I tried to throw it down so I could step on it. There's talk about the wire Mm -hmm. and make it reeling it in hard. It could have been the wretch reaching out with another hand and tugging. It could have been the way she had the wires arranged for easy deployment. But it cut her. And so, like, Victoria, who I think is pretty good at keeping track of what's going on, especially when it comes to her use of the wretch, is so, like, disoriented in this moment that she she's not even sure exactly what happened here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, it, of course, in classic Victoria's sense, she does take a moment here to, like, go back to some Carol-esque str- strategy um, where she starts thinking about goals, like... And she has this wonderful monologue that I think is really important that I, I don't know if I want to read the whole thing. I'll do it. I'll just read the whole thing. Okay. Um, what had I said back to Ashley? What, what had I said to Ashley back on the train? Every little bit mattered. Every ally made every reinforcement of positive expectations. It counted towards a greater something here that something wasn't in play here. A small, powerful group led by a small, powerful person had frittered away any and all currency that they had with the public turning to force instead. Every time a parahuman pulled a gun because it was easier, or crossed lines, or went after families, or threw away all pretense of showmanship to go hard at the efficient, rational route, they were edging us collectively towards this. I love that. I, like this is this is you know we we ta- we've been talking about this parahuman versus human conflict on Gimel. For the whole story, the whole book, this has kind of been in the background and it's and it's come to the front a couple times most recently earlier in this arc. And then our characters go to Shin and Shin is the end of that road. Right. Shin is what's going to happen on Gimel unless the two sides can can get a handle on things and learn to coexist. Yeah, Um, it's it's every little like none of it matters the currency everything that is, everything that is important to victoria in her relationships with with other people is immaterial it doesn't matter
0: yeah it's just it's institutionalized hate and fear of parahumans at the yep. at the highest level where basically you can score points by by doing absolutely ridiculous things like just arresting these people But there wasn't even a pretext for arresting them they were just like you're 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 here and you're parahumans yeah so arresting and, you
1: and it's pretty heavily implied that the, these gang members—I mean, they're with the guards—that this is a setup, right? Yeah, that this yeah, is yeah. this is a test to see how they're going to react, powers-wise. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is this is—it is—it's the end of that road. It's the end of the Gary Neves road, Nieves, sorry, Nieves yeah. road.
0: Yeah. Um. So fight continues. Uh, vista owns a dude takes a shiv and cuts herself uh basically she's the total badass of the fight as as usual Uh, (laughs) the heroes have been shouting this whole time that they defeated goddess and it seems like maybe it's made some difference that they've been saying this or or you know maybe the mob has sated its its bloodlust but uh then we see that it probably has more to do with amy looking down on them uh, that actually broke up the fight
1: yeah yeah so we're gonna have a whole lot to say about amy next chapter matt Um, And there's going to be a lot of difficult conversations that we have to have. But I think what I want to point out here is is something pretty significant here, because there's the things that Amy is saying and the context in which those things are being presented to us. The reader. Amy is coming here to save them, quote unquote. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, She's here. She says, I'm going to I'm going to testify that you didn't hurt them. Um, I'm here to make sure things are okay." But look at how this is framed she's above them. She's Mm -hmm. elevated. She's looking down on them. The text describes it as look. She spoke down to us from her perch on the wall. She spoke down to us. It's very specific language. The entire room is silenced by her presence. Everyone's looking at her, not just them. Like this isn't just Victoria freaking out because Amy is here. Now the entire room reacts to her presence. Um, notice how she's not surprised about Victoria's injury. Notice how she says she's supposed to be looking out for them, making sure there's no trouble, she says. And yet there was just trouble. She's a little late. A little late.
0: Yeah. I mean, the image one gets is of like a, a, you know, a bird of prey, like perched up on a on a high perch, like waiting for you Know, like, like a vulture seeing blood and showing up to, to yeah, to take advantage of, like, oh, injuries. Yeah. Victoria's you know, injured now. You need Ooh, help. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You need help.
1: It's, t- it's, it's time. You need me now, yeah. huh? Let's, uh, yes. Right. And
0: I mean, like, you could even push it farther and say, like, really? She just happens to be here when the attack happens? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or was yeah, she before?
1: I, I think there is, <laughs> there is, um, some, not exactly like maybe kind of conspiracy conspiracy theory esque reads that could like composite Amy as being the the person responsible for this whole thing. Right. That, 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 that she constructed this whole scenario. I don't know about that. Um, it, It's, it's tough to, it's tough to trust what Amy's saying. So it's tough to know that for sure. But um, I, I do, I do think, I do think that the, the framing of this matters, like, like, the, the, to- the tone of this shifts her entrance into this room changes everything. Yeah. And it is not just because we're in Victoria's head. Yeah, that's important. That's very important. And it's going to be very important next chapter as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, we're, we're seeing that this is the way this world reacts to her as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Victoria throws up a little bit as Amy offers to help with her injuries. Uh, and then Victoria <laughs> proceeds to ignore her completely.
1: She throws up bile, yeah, and then she spits it out while Amy's talking. It's great. It's yeah. like, it's a really good touch. Like, I, I don't. I like. You don't know if like Victoria's cons, consciously doing it. She's like mid sentence. Victoria's talking. I'm gonna spit this out because I fucking hate you and and don't have a don't care at all what you have to say. But it's yeah. really great. Like, um. I think one thing that we should mention now is that. She's holding on to her ripped flesh. Yeah. She's holding it in her hand and uh there's one fingernail. Um Wildbow telegraphs us from the beginning, right? We she, we say explicitly two fingernails were ripped off. Um she picks up her flesh, one fingernail is left. This is uh this is one of those things that that like at the time comes as just a moment of just kind of selling how serious the injury is. It's like she's lost two fingernails and like, "Oh my god, she picks up this this ball this thing of this wad of skin and there's only one fingernail on it um but it is what it is doing is is laying seeds in your mind right because this is going to pay off in a fun way and and i say a fun way a fun (laughs) way narratively a a, a horrifying way satisfying Um, yes narratively satisfying way i need to be very careful with my words today Uh, but i think this laying the seeds for this now makes the payoff so much better than just saying at the end of next chapter just saying when i lost my hand it had I, I my skin only had one nail and now it has two yeah like setting that up from the beginning and making it like a natural extension of that is just a better way of doing it
0: yeah no, i agree it's very clever because it's it's a it's an injury that at the time it's just like oh that's fucking horrific yeah. but but then you realize like oh it's it's horrific in a way where there's a i mean we we haven't got to that scene yet but i, I think in this context it's appropriate to bring up it reminded me um, of the the Breaking Bad scene with the plate, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, where, yeah, I where do. There's a broken, there's a broken plate, and and there's a there's a missing piece from the reassembled plate. I, I, I kind of don't want to spoil it because it's such a good scene. <laughs> but basically, the implication is like, is like the whole thing hinges on. uh Oh, there's a missing piece. There's a missing thing, and it changes the whole tenor of of everything surrounding it. You know? Yep. Yep. Um, Love it yeah um so amy uh does drop the info that the wardens are battling some new crisis right now before she leaves
1: it's never a dull day (laughs) for the wardens i I, I keep seeing all these posts about how the wardens are incompetent or not doing anything and it's just like nah man (laughs) they're just they're just out there doing their thing and we don't get we don't get a window into it
0: yeah well i mean these chapters also kind of explain why they're why? Why some of them are staying away, right?
1: Right, and staying away doesn't mean not doing anything, right? It I just mean, means not doing anything there. I
0: mean, we know that Valkyrie like saved saved like a couple of worlds in her interlude. Yeah, maybe yeah. three. I don't know. I don't <laughs> just remember. A, just
1: a few. Just all day's work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So this this chapter ends with them walking towards what they're hoping is the medical area to get treated for their wounds, right? And there's this wonderful moment in here that I wanted to point out because it's like this hero moment where. They're all heading, they're all heading out. Everyone's injured. Some of us supporting others. Sveta held the bridge of Kenzie's nose. Theo leaned on me. Rain leaned on Ashley limping. Our priorities were to get help for Tristan and Theo or Theo at the very least, if we could manufacture a situation to to swap Tristan out. And then Vicky gives them an out. She says, we do this for Gimel. If anyone isn't comfortable pushing forward with this, if you're scared or if you need out, we could. God, I hated saying it. Ask for some strings to be pulled, favors to be called in. Even with my offer, nobody seemed especially intent on escaping or going. They knew the importance of getting these supplies for Gimel, even if it meant enduring a gauntlet. So this is a moment that our, 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 our team has just been attacked. They're hurting. They're limping. They're supporting each other. They're in a group. And it's like, this is it. We can we can get out of this right now. We can do it. We, there There is... There is an emergency button. There is a in case of emergency break glass escape button we can press. Let us know. Uh-huh. And nobody stands up. Nobody says no. Nobody says, yeah, I want that. Everyone says, no, it's more important. The the thing we're dealing with, the thing we're fighting for is more important. And like, it's just, just some fucking heroes, man. Like, yeah. we just need to like we need <laughs> we need to give. The, our characters credit w- when they're struggling through stuff They're Some of our characters backslide and, and, and have difficult days and are trying hard to get better. But at the end of the day, like this is a hero moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it's breakthrough plus two of our favorite characters from worm, right? So yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. It's, it's, these are all, these are all just great, great people. And I, I think maybe that's another thing where we're like, as, as we lead these people into the subsequent chapter, it's like these people are the last people in the world who deserve this kind of treatment and, and the things that are going to happen to them. Yeah, yeah. So 14.9, the team wanders through the building looking for medical attention, not really getting any directions or help at all from anyone. Um, I think one thing I was surprised at at this point was how few people know the goddess language, as they call it. Uh, but I think that uh, goddess wasn't actually in charge for all that long, so it didn't really have that much time to kind of percolate through.
1: Yeah, but also do you think Goddess is the type of person who is going to be like, "I decree everyone shall learn English," or does she just not give a fuck? Like I, I just her power doesn't require them understanding her language, right? It's just like, "You want to do things for me now."
0: Yeah, I mean, well, also um she I don't think she cared if the if the populace knew her language. She only right. really cared about she 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 only really directly controlled the parahumans. Yeah. And the parahumans, maybe the parahumans are more likely to know English, but but they're not running into any parahumans here. So
1: it strikes me as a very goddess thing to just not give a shit um, about about that at all.
0: Right. Uh, But isn't that even like an extra layer of like if you put yourself in the the perspective of, of these sheen people, like we don't know a ton about them. But like imagine not only have you been taken over by a. Superpowered tyrant, but the tyrant doesn't even speak your language.
1: Yeah, and doesn't and, care to. It Doesn't and, care. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it is. It is. It's a nice. It's a nice extra. Fuck you towards Goddess for sure. Yeah, yeah. I really love this opening bit of this chapter. Victoria like returns back to her labyrinth imagery as they walk through the prison, and and her her typical way of of very much connecting back this back to Amy. She says, "This is Amy's world we're in." This is Amy's world. We get that. That beat recurs over and over again. This shin is Amy's. And so it's fitting that the breadcrumbs we're using to walk through this maze is the blood of the people that are wounded. Um, I think this is it's I think it's Tristan. That's that's the the one actually dripping. Um, But they're like they're like dripping blood as they're wandering through these hallways trying to find the medical aid and, and that is being used as as the breadcrumbs or the ball of yarn to lead them through it I, I think that's a very it's it's great imagery and it just it's one of the things I really love about Victoria
0: yeah I, I adore the uh the, the concept of it definitely well, Walvo's having a lot of fun with labyrinth and imagery in this story yeah,
1: yeah. so hmm. there's one sorry go ahead
0: I'm I just gonna say in, in general right like this isn't the first labyrinth I don't think it's gonna be the last one
1: no no definitely not there is this moment that I wanted to talk to you about here because it got my brain turning a little bit, maybe too much. But there's this moment here where Kenzie's nose is bleeding and Ashley has tilted Kenzie's head back to help like, stop the blood from dripping everywhere. And this really jumped out at me because last chapter we talked about this moment where Ashley basically says, whatever path Kenzie needs to take to get better, I'm going to support her doing it. Even if that means blackmailing parents, if that's what's necessary, cool, I'm for it. And I kind of like this th- the way Victoria and Ashley deal with the nosebleed as a pretty good like symbolic microcosm of that general philosophy, because like the tilting of your head back like works to stop you from dripping blood everywhere. Right. But it's not a good long term solution to a bleeding nose because you'll s- send blood into your stomach and probably throw up and it'll be gross and bad for you. Um Victoria's way is lean forward and and hold the blood and it'll be better for you overall. Ashley's way is just like, let's stop the bleeding um, and it'll be OK. But maybe there will be a, a, a further consequence of that that we can't see yet. And I yeah. don't know. I, th- this might be me grasping too much. This might, like this might not be important or intended or anything at all. I just that was a really nice like little example of the difference between how they approach Kenzie in my mind.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I think there's definitely a tendency when you when you know, when you love and care about someone, you just want to you don't want to see them suffering. And that can unfortunately manifest in a way where it really underlines the you don't want to see them suffering. Right. right. <laughs> where like Ashley is as far as she knows helping, but not yeah. actually helping. And, and and then I think once, you know, it's, I, I think it's worth pointing out that once Victoria says like, hey, that's not the way to do that. Ashley doesn't, you know, have a comeback for her. Ashley doesn't uh, do her normal, you know, her, her, what you think of as her Ashley, like, well, I'm going to find a way to be right somehow. (laughs) Despite the fact that I'm wrong, she just says nothing. Yeah. She she doesn't even really seem to react to it. Yeah, she doesn't. Yeah. I mean, part of that is I think the fact that Victoria is, is not really describing a lot of extra details right now. Um, And I think that's just where she is um like her her whole her whole ways that she's that she's narrating yeah is is very terse and clipped and uh like the way the injuries described are like she's basically uh like the way she's doing her narration i feel like she's either in shock or going into shock
1: yeah i agree with that
0: like that the language is like we'll have like a paragraph that just says frick fuck motherfuck and then the next paragraph three very short sentences i worried about theo i worried about tristan both had been slashed yeah. like repetitive short sentences um and and not describing a lot of of the kind of detail that victoria normally would
1: yeah i mean like it turns out um getting the skin ripped off your hand it hurts uh-huh. pretty bad um so i do think i do agree that it's a combination of her Going in shock from the injury and this looming presence of Amy in the building that is kind of rearing its head over everything that is really like causing her 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 lens of of view mm-hmm. to shorten to focus to to go only to necessary like not not going to ruminate on things very long, focusing on what needs to be done, how we do it go 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 um it's not like we would not be like the the philosophical victoria
0: yeah. Absolutely
1: and I think, like Wildbow sells this in another way, too, not just this language. There's this moment here where, and we'll get to the talking about the scars in a bit, but where they're talking about keeping scars, and Victoria's like, "Oh, there was someone else that did that. It was cricket, and I think it's Vista who's like. Victoria <laughs> not not cool and she's like oh yeah i forgot that theo was uh was associated with this guys and she says to him you know i don't see you as part of that group which is i mean that's a really nice moment because it's like look how far theo's come he's amazing yeah. but i also think like victoria the cape nerd um under other circumstances probably wouldn't have forgotten that connection probably wouldn't have have fumbled on that interaction yeah. um and i think this is a good way of showing the reader a part of her that we're not used to seeing. And therefore it it gives us a good grasp of how bad she's doing right now.
0: It gives us a grasp of, of in what poor shape she's in. And it also sets us up for the fact that she's maybe not a hundred percent, um, paying attention to all of the things that she should be paying attention to. And thus gets into the situation she's about to get into without, you know, seeing the red flags. Yep. Yep. Uh, Before we get there though, I adored Theo's casual, uh, Surface level, I'm pretty sure it's one more scar added to 100.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, he does have a lot of scars. I mean, I, think of all the scars he got just from the, the Jack Slash battle.
0: Right, right. Which he, which he chose to keep, of course. Yeah, of course. That's, that's the situation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah.
1: No, I, I want to talk. I want to talk about that, though. Yeah. I think that's important. Let's talk about the, the keeping of the scars. Sure. Last week. We have specifically had Amy mention Victoria's scar, right? Like she's she's sitting in the shower, she's got her arm up on the thing, and and she's got her scar from the the, the millipede guy. I forget his name. Um,
0: um, it's it was actually like centipede in Japanese. I think is, yeah. is what I forget. Uh, Mukade, Mukade.
1: There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Um, awful, terrible, horrible, terrible power, really bad scar. So we we're having this like. We're having this this recurring thing with scars. And then we have this time Theo says he's chosen to keep his scars. Vista echoes basically the same thing. She says, yeah, I collect scars, too. And I think this has a potential to work in a lot of ways here. Like it, of course, connects to Victoria's scar like we just met, but also connects to Victoria's choice to keep the memory of the two years of the wretch, right? She like, like Theo chose to keep his scars as a, a remembrance of this time. Victoria looked at Amy and said, do not take those memories away. I want to keep them. Um, and, and I think this, this of course connects us to Amy who we're, we're we're bowling ahead into this confrontation. That's going to be horrifying. Um, but it could also be some like clever, like direct payoff setup in a uh-huh. little bit. Like, We've now firmly established that, hey, Theo chose to keep his scars. Theo likes his scars. He wants his scars. If Theo shows up tomorrow without any scars anymore, um, something's going on there. Especially if he's like, no, yeah, I, I wanted them gone. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Um, yeah. It,
1: it, I think the same thing with Vista. Like, So, I mean, I think this is great because it connects uh, emotionally and metaphorically to what our character is going through. Um, but i think it also has a chance to pay off in a really cool way um that can that can once again illustrate the severity of of these the, what amy's doing
0: mhm yeah i i agree i think it's man it, it's really interesting because your your mind does go on all these tangents right like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you're you're definitely while you're reading thinking about all the implications Cause what was reminding you of these things on purpose, right? Like sure. we didn't, we didn't need to have a conversation about scars as they as walk through the building, try to find the, the medical center. This is, no. this is a choice, a choice to have a conversation about scars and the importance of keeping scars to keep track of your mistakes. Like that's, that's, yeah. that's why he's doing this. Yep. Um, and, and yeah, so you definitely, you definitely think about, okay, wh- why is he doing this? What, what are, and, and usually more than one reason, because while those are very, very e- efficient and, Clever in how, how he does things.
1: Yep. So. I love it. I love seeing that stuff and going, I see you. Yep. I see you, Scars.
0: <laughs> yep. hmm Uh, I like this language. Would I turn a corner and find myself face to face with the bullheaded denizen of this labyrinth <laughs> that kept turning up, kept lo- looming above me? It's great. I just love the fun with language there.
1: Yeah. Even in Victoria's shock and almost panicking state, she still has time for some excellent wordplay. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. The bullheaded denizen of this labyrinth. Perfect.
0: I almost Perfect. missed that. In fact, I may have missed that the first time.
1: I love it. I love great. it so
0: much. Yeah, They end up meeting Citrine and uh, her husband. Isn't it uh, funny
1: that she still doesn't know that's
0: number, man? It's great. Part part of me wants there to be like a great moment when she when she realizes it, and part of me just wants her to never realize it. Yeah, um, <laughs> I love it. So so they meet them almost accidentally. Like Victoria almost like literally stumbles into the meeting with them um, as she's kind of losing patience. And I mean, I think that's one kind of telling moment where she like barges through a door and and, and Svet is like, "What? What? Where are you going?" And uh, it's just kind of like Vicky's acting relatively erratically by by her standards
1: yeah i mean it's like it's a really rough moment because she's in the middle of this this bursting through this door um she's imagining this moment this very specific amy moment that we've never had her brain connect to before which is amy with gore up to her elbows my gore me um this this is like these are things and this is this ends up paying off in an interesting way later in this chapter, but this is a moment where like, like the, the gore of what she's holding in her hand right now is, is connecting specifically back to the creation of the wretch moments that, um, that have mysteriously vanished from her memory that she Mm -hmm. can't remember at all. And I think, so yeah, she's like, like you can imagine her just like barreling through this door, like barely even looking where she's going because she's just being assaulted in her head by these memories.
0: Mm Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's interesting. I didn't make that exact connection, but that that's I think you're right. Uh so they have this conversation with Citrine, Citrine tells them that th- she'll have them out soon. Gimmel and the Wardens are applying pressure and it shouldn't be more than 12 hours. She actually seems kind of upset about the state of how they're doing. Um I think that's I think that's I, I like that. It's pretty minor, but like Citrine is a very cold person, but she's not completely inhuman. You can buy her being like upset that like you know what she might see as her people have been so mistreated yeah um and uh you know even though she's the kind of person who cuts off somebody's eyelids for wronging her these are her people damn it
1: yeah um and i also love selective empathy exactly really great (laughs) yeah
0: i also love it when she interests in exchange information in spanish to go over the guards heads that was really clever
1: yeah i like that a lot too i mean i I like this whole moment yeah there's like there's even calling in citrine was a Complicated decision for Victoria that mm-hmm. she wasn't Thrilled with but you know She is not a not the best person But yeah I mean this is this is Great and I love Like this moment Satrine tells them 12 hours You have to wait 12 hours and you're like well shit that's a long time um, But I think there's a part Of you I don't know if it, I don't know If it was true for you but there's a part of me that's Like I know this inevitable This inevitable Amy Amy thing is happening it's coming it's gonna come It's gonna come like and then she busts through this door and Citrine is there and you're like, oh, my God, maybe we're safe now. Maybe we've gotten out of uh-huh. it. Like, like Citrine's here now. These There's there's a powerful authority figure here now. Maybe we've we've dodged this bullet. Um, And, of course, we haven't. Yeah. But there, it's almost like we release tension just a little bit here and then, like, double it almost. And I think that's a really great touch.
0: Absolutely. You have to. I mean that's just good storytelling, good yeah. good drama, right? Is to to offer the character a possible out or to show the reader what could have been a possible out and then be like, nope. Yeah. And
1: of, and of course it's worth saying that Citrine gives Victoria an out right here, right? She says, "We can we can make this faster." Mm-hmm. If if you, it would it would damage the relationship, it would hurt things, but if you If you are scared, if you need attention now, we can pull you out now. And of course, Victoria, once again, is like, no, like, I'll be okay. I'm willing I'm willing to risk myself for the good of other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's 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 heroic, but it's heroic in like the most tragic way, because as you said, like she shouldn't have to be the person that has to make that choice. Right. You shouldn't. It's it's so unfair to put a person in a position where they have to choose between letting 2 million people die or being confronted with the person that violated you to your core. Mm -hmm. Like that's so unfair. It's not fair at all, but it's a choice that Victoria is going to make every time because that's the person she is. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's heroic, but it's, it's heroic in the most tragic way possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna have to invent some more words like we're, like we tend to do. Yeah. Yeah. If only there was some kind of word that exemplified like the concept of a tragic hero. Um I don't think I don't, I don't think I've never so. heard of it so. before though yeah so Tristan Sveta, and Theo leave with Victoria, uh leaving behind the others to uh, finish the conversation with Citrine.
1: yeah uh, one thing that I really loved about this chapter as a whole in this moment is is setting up that that feeling of strength in numbers right we We ended the last chapter with the team is all together they're all leaning on each other, they're all supporting each other, we're scared, we're hurt. But we're in defense formation. We're together, and then wildbo forces the group to separate. Like we go, we we run into Citrine, We're like, "Yay, we're saved!" No, actually, not only are you not saved, but your group has just dropped down to four. Now there are only four of you, and and you feel that increased vulnerability. Like as they walk out the door, Citrine is mid sentence talking to someone else. I think it's talking to uh, Vista. I think it is. I don't know. And and they walk off, and then there's a moment where it says the door closed behind us as we stepped into the hall. Mm-hmm. And it's just this like, like help has just closed the door and now you're weaker. Now there are four of you instead of eight of you or seven. I don't remember what it was. That number. Yeah. Um, and then they they go back into the labyrinth. And then when they're eventually get led to the medical wing, they're separated again because they're put in individual rooms. And like each one of the injured people is put in their own individual room. And Sveta is outside all the rooms. And you're just like, oh, God, the group of four has just gone down to one now. And that's when you're like, this is it. This is this is happening. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's such a great you can feel as the numbers dwindle down that, that ratchet attention, that inevitability of this moment. Mm. And I, I think like writing wise, it's so fantastic. Like I, I remember just this first time I read this chapter, like squirming in my chair because like, I knew this was coming and I knew every, every word I read got me closer to this moment and there was no stopping it. Um, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop reading, but I just didn't, I, I didn't want it to happen. And that's, I think that's the exact feeling that the, the text is going for here.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I, I just, uh, I appreciated from a writing perspective the way it manages to capture kind of the state of mind you go into when you're injured. Like, even if you have, like, if you have the kind of injury that's maybe going to require stitches or a brace or, you know, something like semi-serious, maybe, maybe you don't need an ambulance, but it's bad enough that you're like, uh oh, oh God, oh God, my, my body is falling apart. I'm freaking out. Like, um, That's kind of the mentality, that's kind of the like headspace that Victoria goes into here, which it's interesting because she's been and she's been injured worse than this, actually, I, yeah. I think. But like this seems like, well, that was a cape fight before. And now now this is just like, well, now you're just injured. You're in this place where no one's here to help you. And and you're you're scared and isolated. And it, it's more it's more like a normal human reaction to being injured. Yeah.
1: Well, Um, there's there's no one to punch. Yeah. Like there's no there's no way to 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 fight your way out of the situation. You're hurt and you can't just beat the guy that hurt you Mm -hmm. and win. Like Mm -hmm. that's that's actually the wrong thing to do. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it is a different kind of injury. I think you're right.
0: Yeah. So they meet the uh, so sorry. First, I have written my notes. I don't want to write this part. Um, Yeah.
1: Fun fact, Matt did uh, all the prep work for a chapter and a half. Sunday night Mm -hmm. I think you did it Sunday night for the first chapter and a half and then I don't think you did the rest of it until this morning (laughs) I think I think you put off as far as you could and I I don't blame you for
0: that some of it this afternoon yeah yeah um yeah yeah, because it's just like you're just like oh I just don't want to like like I it's 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 taxing
1: (laughs) it is and yeah I mean it's supposed to be this is this is complicated emotional stuff.
0: Yeah. 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 So they reach the medical wing and they're all separated for medical care. Victoria tries to stop a doctor from sedating her with a syringe. And then a guard comes in and actually argues at some link with the doctor. And you have to wonder what the significance of this long conversation is. Cause it, it, you know, the text makes a point of of saying that it goes back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and there's, there's clearly an actual argument here. Um, like it, like, is the doctor just trying to knock Vicky out and hand her over to Amy and the guard is actually advocating on her behalf or is or it the vice opposite? versa? Yeah. Yeah. Um, th- it seems like there's a lot going on here though. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And and then I think it's also worth noting that like at a writing level that Victoria is not mentally present enough to pay attention to what could be going on here. We Kind of talked about this before. Yeah. But, but I feel like a fully cognizant Victoria would have noticed some of these red flags. But her narration continues to be very quiet, uh, reactive rather than analytical, descriptive of what's happening at a relatively basic level of the who, what, where of of the scene. And eventually the guard doses her with these mysterious granules, which knock her out.
1: Yeah, and I I think you're absolutely right there. And that's that's the the awful part about it, because, of course, what we see next is that the first thing Victoria does is blame herself for, for this before letting her guard down for not seeing these red flags. Like there's just moment. He like when he gives her the thing, she says, is this for just my hand? And his response is your hand. Yes. And that's like, you know, one of those like half truth things mm-hmm. where it's like, he didn't. Yeah. It's yeah. It'll numb your hand for sure. And
0: <laughs> right. I,
1: I I think, I think it's, it's interesting. Like you, you kind of pose this idea Like how much of this is Amy? Like are are either of these people acting on orders from Amy? And that's that's the one thing that we're we're the big unknown in this situation is how much Amy is actually in control of everything. She has made it seem, and the the rest of this whole interaction has made it seem that uh that the the Shin non capes are in control, and what and she is basically forced to do what they're telling her to do. Um and, and and that's that's the narrative she's built. But that's but it's Amy. That's a very Amy narrative, right? This like, it's not my fault. I have to do these things because they're forcing me to do them. Like I have to be in the shower while you guys are changing because they told me to do that. That's mm-hmm. the narrative she's created over around this stuff. And um so so yeah, is it is it someone acting on orders from Amy to knock her out? Uh is it just um is it just I mean it could Is it just the doctor doesn't give a shit? Yeah. And he just like the standard procedure is to knock people out. Yeah. And he and he has no way of knowing like the full depth of Victoria's fear against this particular thing to happen.
0: Like I mean, he he could misunderstand and think that her objection is to needles, right? Just be like, oh, she doesn't like needles. Fine, I'll use the granules instead, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a pretty innocuous, like uh interpretation right so yeah. and the text intentionally has this conversation happen in another language it doesn't really give us any real like runway for speculation other than like well we don't know what they're saying so yeah. could be amy <laughs> right yeah. So, yeah 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 yeah
1: all right so here we go mm-hmm. um before we get into this really obviously complex emotional stuff, I just wanted to take a minute to, to thank a few of the members of this community that we've spoken to over the past few days. We had some people reach out to us and offer their insight and their aid in in how to approach this very very difficult emotional topic. I'm going to respect those people's privacy, but, but you guys know who you are, and I just we wanted to thank you for this. Mm-hmm. Um, this this community can be such an incredible positive community that that is around this this wonderful book and i think the way to ensure that it remains that is that we pay attention to each other's needs and treat things like this with the care that it deserves Um, so that's what we're going to really try to do throughout this whole section um recognize the the difficulty and the emotion that is attached to the things that are happening here and how 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 These affect people, real people that are enjoying this community, and enjoying this work with us. So let's 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 do that. And let's let's go into it.
0: All right. So, yeah, when Amy or sorry, when Victoria wakes up, Amy is is here. She's smiling. It's the first thing that we are made aware of. And Victoria is paralyzed, can't move. And first, she feels a colossal rage, something that's basically likened to like the sum of everything that she's felt up to this point in the story. And then almost immediately, this is replaced with terror as she realizes there's nothing she can do. She's she's frozen. And in her Victoria analytical way, she's aware of being completely overwhelmed by this terror.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, once again, we we look at this book and what we have to do as we're analyzing this book is look at the choices and look at what we think the choices are conveying, not just the textual ones, but the subtextual ones. We open this break on a smiling Amy. Victoria is, is going through one of the worst experiences of her life. The text, everything I felt in the last two years, every swear word I'd uttered multiplied by every jawbone and sternum, every rib I'd shattered, the lives I've taken and the damage I've done. I trembled with it and it couldn't find an outlet. I would have to puke again. I, I would have puked again. I would have screamed at her and I couldn't. So this is the emotion that Victoria is feeling in this moment. And to contrast that, Amy is smiling. Mm. Amy is happy. This is exactly what Amy wanted. This is the exact situation that Amy was hoping she would be in, and she's happy about it. And how do books convey things? That is an example. Mm-hmm. You, there, there is no read of this thing in which Amy's smiling in this moment is meant to convey, oh, good, yeah. Amy's happy. Yeah. yeah. Right.
0: Right. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's again, I I find myself talking about how things are are cinematic and maybe that's just the way I read. And that's Mm -hmm. that's its own thing to talk about. But like the fact that like I almost involuntarily and without thinking about it, visualize this with like that film effect where it's like an aperture opens as the character's eyes open. And the first thing you see from their point of view is the smiling face of the monster looming over them. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a very it's a it's a horror. It's a horror moment.
1: It is. Yeah. There There is no other explanation for it. It yeah. is it is uh, a person waking to find their worst nightmare sitting in front of them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so as you know, she's she's lying there and Amy's kind of approaching. I reached for powers and found paralysis instead. They were there, but I thought of the gimbal refugees of the need for supplies between paralysis and the stray thought reaching for my powers and finding them was slower than Amy was in reaching out to touch me.
1: Yeah. And there's that other beat that we talked about earlier in the show, right? Where, um, Victoria is, is, you know, right now, currently revisiting every single moment of horror in the last two years and paralyzed, Mm -hmm. but she still sees an outlet through her power. She still says, "I, I can reach for my power and it will be there and it will help me. And she hesitates just long enough, just for a fraction of a second. Um, and she does, that hesitation is, is for the sake of others. And like, we talk about heroes, man. And like, look, like she, this is, this is her nightmare. This is Mm -hmm. her nightmare manifest. And her brain still stops for a fraction of a second, that moment to jump out to someone else's need first. Yeah. And that, that, and when, when I say Victoria, trust your instincts, when Annalise says Victoria, trust your instincts. I think that's what we're talking about here mm-hmm. because that was instinctual. That was an instinctual reaction. You can trust your instincts. You are you are not glory girl anymore. You are not that person.
0: Yeah, right. I mean that that hesitation may have may have saved millions of people, right? Millions
1: of people. Yeah.
0: And and she would have spared herself from what what I think is literally recreating a trauma. Like this isn't yeah. even like, oh, this is this is scary to her. Like this is actually tra- this is fresh trauma. This is yep. a fresh new trauma. Um, and it yeah, I mean, like just, just to 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 reemphasize, like I think on the show maybe, or I don't. I'm not even sure if I've said it on the show, but I think I've definitely said it in the Discord. Like, I think Amy's just dumb, and the fact that Amy touches her and uses her power on her again here graduates Amy from being dumb to being. Monstrous yeah for me like and, and the thing is maybe I'm Slow right like 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 Matt if you didn't get that by now You're not paying attention. I, I would say it I think maybe a lot of people are, are in the same place as me where th- this was a moment of like oh shit. She's actually She's actually gonna just do it. hmm She's actually gonna just like she just wants she just wants to use her power in Victoria she does not give a shit about what Victoria said this whole time you can't you can't tell any narrative where like you can't tell any narrative about Amy where it's like she just doesn't understand because she does understand. She she understands. <laughs> she does yeah. it anyway.
1: Yeah. I mean, we had fun last week. Uh, I had fun ranting about how stupid Amy was. Um, and she still is stupid. Yeah. But she's that's not all she is. You're absolutely right. Um, and this. Yeah, this is this is a moment that, you know, I j- I. I don't know if I would have guessed that this is what was going to happen. Like I and and a lot of it I think is like you want to believe the best in people sometimes. Mm-hmm. You want to believe that a person who did a horrible thing years ago has gotten better, has improved, you especially when they're saying it, right? Like you want you want to believe people sometimes. And and I think I fell into that trap a little bit. I wanted to believe she was in a better place. I wanted to believe she had been making progress and working towards her. And I wanted to believe that she was a person that was not capable of doing this again. Yeah. And that's just not true.
0: Yeah. Right. And I mean, it's complicated because I think it says a lot about our instincts toward not just fictional characters, but also real people. We, we don't, we, we, like you just said, we want to believe the best of them. We want to believe that we want to spin their, crimes and their misdeeds into oh that was a mistake Oh, that was wrapped up in extenuating circumstances oh you need to consider the context of it and she just she just goes for it she just does the 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 worst possible thing that she that she's been told is a huge violation and it's like there's no there's no for, for me this moment is the moment where it's like there's no wrapping paper you can put on this that that makes it anything other than um, just the clear sign of, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't know, I, 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 la- I lack a sufficiently strong word to condemn Amy for this. Yeah. So,
1: I think monster is fair.
0: Yeah, monstrous. So Amy flinches away after a good, solid two seconds of contact, mm-hmm. and then Victoria passes into unconsciousness, marked with five of those little gold morning page break line break symbols. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's talk about this. Yeah. So like the first thing I want to say about the page break, the line break thing is that it's just a neat little story thing, a little, a neat little storytelling thing, because even if I was binging Ward and not really sparing the time to think about like why choices were being made, why writing choices were being made, it would be incredibly obvious that this is a climactic story moment because of this like visual decoration. This is something we've been building up to basically the whole story and it deserves to be marked out in all its horror in some kind of standout way. And I think this is a clever way of visually marking it. Yeah, I agree. Um, but but of course, beyond the fact that it is cool and, and clever, um, it, I, I think that we and the other people in the fandom suspect that it signifies more than just like, uh, you know, a moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the most the most the thing that jumped to me the earliest was this idea that um it's kind of like when wildbow messes with the page, right? Where with the 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 vista part where yeah. the page warps and lengthens. Um so the text is literally being manipulated by the things that are happening within it. So along that same line, you see five dots, you think maybe maybe time has passed between each of these, but it was removed, er- mm-hmm. ergo deleted, and then you start to think okay, well you see the conversation that Victoria is trying to have and your brain goes, okay, maybe, um, she was deleting. She, she tried to have a conversation. It didn't go well. Fucked up. Got rid of that. Um, try it again, Tried it again, Tried it again, Tried it again. Mm-hmm. And, and now we're here. Um, and that seems to me, that's the thing that jumped out as the most obvious, um, and, and likely possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying it is definitely the possibility, but it, 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 it would be a clever way of demonstrating that yeah. in in like, well, why is there no text here? Well, there was, it got deleted. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, there's been a lot of clever and, and interesting theories and I, I would be, I mean, I'll be shocked if, if nothing happened, right? <laughs> like right. If, if it turns out like, Oh no, it was literally just a visual cue of, of, Oh, that was a big deal. Like, uh, Amy, Amy did something. That, that's like I, I would bet money on Amy did something I don't think yeah. I'd bet money on any particular um you know oh she was you know save scumming is the is the <laughs> right right uh, yeah term um
1: yeah and I mean like the, for me like my my brain process when uh, a theory jumps to mind like right away my brain is is goes now nah, that can't be it <laughs> so I start like I immediately start Like looking for other things. And I I did have trouble like thinking of what else this could be. I mean, I really do like just your general idea of a signifier of significance Mm -hmm. uh, of of the the horror and and magnitude with of which this break in the text is 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 doing Mm -hmm. is signified by we're not doing just one page break this time. We're doing five page breaks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Victoria wakes up again after who knows how long after who knows what has happened, and her first thought, first thing that happens, is she feels like she's betrayed herself by letting her guard down, which is just really a crushing moment, and it's really terrible, and it, it reinforces her PTSD that she's been struggling with this whole time because, like, the the fact, like her her problem, her her constant fear and anxiety is rooted in this idea that she never can, she never feels safe. She never feels like she can let her guard down. She sees Amy lurking in the shadows and now she feels like, Oh, that's reinforced. I let my guard down and it happened again. Now I need to be double vigilant. I mean, that's, that's horrible. That's so bad. This this is so bad for her.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I I don't, I don't want to be coy with it because this is, this is coded language. Like wild bow is using this reaction with a lot of intent. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the first to, to feel guilt for being violated by another person mm-hmm. is a thing that people experience in real life all the time. They, they feel guilty. I, it, this is my fault. I did this. I should have made better choices. I betrayed myself. I let my guard down. These are things that people actually feel and it's, it's wrong. It's wrong, but this is, this is how your brain works sometimes. Yeah. And, 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 and I think this is all very intentional to get us into this mindset, to get us in this mindset of she has just been violated by this person and, and she is reacting to that violation in, in a way that we understand that we're using language. We're, we're, we're relating this specifically to things to make it clear to people, the severity of what is happening here. And like, It's 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 horrifying. It's tragic. Like I I I think you're exactly right. Like, you know, you think back to to the first chapter with with the conversation with Annalise where there was this moment where she was able to imagine being with someone. Mm -hmm. She was able to imagine a future and she's not she wasn't there yet. She was not there yet. It was hard to get there. But 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 a brief moment of success where she's able to imagine this thing. Gone now They're, they're like there's there's no way she just is able to slip back into that easily mm-hmm. after after she gets out of the situation.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm 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 as mad at Amy as I've ever been at any fictional character right now. It's
1: yeah, it's it's disgusting. It's horrible, it's,
0: yeah. So and you know she wakes up from from this she she's feeling she's feeling all of this. The text is very good about putting us into this horrible headspace that she's in. Yeah. And Amy is still in the room with her in this what 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 feels like a pretty small room to me and victoria is clearly deeply upset um but she's up she's upset in a way that leaves her notably numb and non-aggressive yeah uh, like so like instead of like immediately murdering amy like the first thing she does she asks about her team amy tells her that they're back with the prison population and they don't know that amy is with her and they've been calmed down and reassured so i think part of that is the text you know checking off that tick box so that we're not wondering so that we can focus on the on the scene but also obviously part of it is that's what victoria would say in that situation um and and uh you know it it kind of answers the question of like well why is the team not already broken into this room
1: yeah i mean i i think i think this whole conversation is littered with these little moments where you're supposed to be like that kind of sounds like bullshit uh huh right And being told that Sveta, Sveta in particular, just went back to Genpop and just just left Victoria alone, not knowing that Amy was it was there, but that Amy was out and about certainly doesn't sound like something Sveta would do. Mm -hmm. But, hey, Amy has a very convincing story about how, hey, there was almost an incident. But then my dad showed up and then your team huddled together and they decided in their huddle to prioritize the people of Gimel over their own concerns and needs. This, of course, is a very effective excuse to use on Victoria who herself has been using that idea constantly over the last two chapters. Like it is, it is almost targeted to, to make Victoria go like, yeah, I get that because that's exactly right. the type of person Victoria is. It's, yeah. Your team met together and they decided, um, Gimmel was more important than your safety. And Victoria is like, yeah, I agree. I would have done that too. In fact, I did, I did, I did that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it sounds like it could be true but you, you kind of get the feeling that there's maybe some half truth here
0: well i think a lot a big part of that is that amy's just so full of shit lately like uh, uh, every interaction victoria's had with her in this arc amy has has done this thing where she kind of changes her story as it goes on and it always gets worse as it goes on yeah and at this point you just don't trust her like Oh yeah! Oh yeah! And, and and so I think I think that's a big part of why it seems like everything she's saying is is bullshit. I mean, also I, I detect in her like a real attribute of liars that that I am well familiar with in real life, which is that they overtell the story. Like if if you you know if you ask like why didn't I fill the car up with gas on the way home, and I'm like um, oh I forgot. Then you believe me and if but if I'm like, um, oh, you know what? Um I, I ran over a, a raccoon and I was just so distracted by it that um it just really threw me off and and I just uh drove all the way home and you'll be like okay, why are you throwing in all this detail, man? Yeah. Yeah, kinda I think you're starting right. To, starting to, so like I don't know, that's like she, she kind of over explains things in a way that makes me just extra suspicious of her. Yeah, yeah. But that's uh that's just me, maybe.
1: I like no, I like that. I like that.
0: So Victoria, feeling hollowed, harrowed and wrung out, calms herself by thinking that she can use the cot she's lying on to kill Amy and the guard.
1: Hey, at this point, whatever needs to, whatever you need to get through this situation, um, if that if if inflicting terrible violence and immediately mur- murdering their people is what what gets you mentally through the situation. Go for it. Yeah, Um, I, I love this moment where she states that like she does feel hollow and she says that, that 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 feeling of hollowness scares her i i love that little detail because it's like it's not only that she's feeling these things that she's feeling hollowed out but like feeling that feeling brings more feeling of mm-hmm. Of terrible things like yeah. and I think that reflects the fact that she doesn't know what's been done to her right now. She's sitting here and has no idea what's been done to her and she's terrified and everything is wrapped around that fear. Even even feeling hollow is wrapped around that terror.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. But, you know, she still doesn't do anything. She just continues this conversation and Amy has started talking about the supplies that Sheen is is giving Amy then suggests that they talk, that Victoria calls it for what it is, a forced interaction on Amy's mm-hmm. own terms with Victoria being cornered. Amy then begins to gripe about how she never gets to make her own decisions and she just wants all the good stuff that she's done to be taken into account. Oh, my God.
1: So the, the, I think the, the part I love about love, once again, let's say when I, I, I narratively satisfying. Yeah. Um, Effective. When Amy says, you're making me do this, it's, it's certainly not optional. And Amy's responsive is, if I say it's an option, you'll say no. And that's, that's Amy. That yeah. is Amy, right? Yeah. I want this thing. I don't care if you want this thing or not. I don't care. Yeah, My needs, my desire, what I want to do... And what I need outweighs anything you have to say, anything you want, anything you feel is necessary. And it it ties into this idea that this idea that she's like really channeled in her head that like all I need is one good conversation. All I need is one fair and even opportunity to talk the stuff out and set the record straight and everything will be okay. And therefore, whatever I need to do to get that opportunity is perfectly acceptable. And that's wrong. That's wrong.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, it, it, it reflects back to the time where she thought it was a good idea to like use goddess to try to get in touch with breakthrough, which turned out to be just an incredibly bad idea. Yeah, and, yeah. and now she's kind of it's like even worse, if anything, here.
1: And, and this part, this part where Amy whines about her upbringing to Victoria.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everybody knows Carol's a shitty mom. Like mm-hmm. Victoria knows she was there like th- like she she this this part where she's like, maybe it would be nice if you realized I've kind of been under someone else's thumb or in someone else's shadow or following someone else's directions every step of the way. And when I did finally do things my own free will, I was unpracticed and traumatized. And and that excuses it. No, yet. No, she almost says yes. She mm-hmm. almost says yes. She. She believes it does. Yeah. She believes it on some level. She believes it excuses it. Right. And I I was thinking about this. Like what Carol did to Amy is terrible. Like she didn't love her. She didn't. She wasn't comfortable with the whole situation. She was a shitty mom. She was a shitty mom to the daughter she did love. She was a really shitty mom to the daughter she didn't love. But look at how these two daughters frame this. And I, I, I was talking to you about this earlier. Victoria resents Carol for what for how she raised her and what she did to her. Absolutely. Does Victoria blame Carol for Glory Girl's actions? Does Does Victoria say I was too rough with people and it's my mom's fault? It's not my fault. It's, it's I was under someone else's thumb.
0: I don't think so. I think like the closest she'll come is she'll she'll draw specific lessons back to Carol. But. I think we've remarked specifically on the fact that she thinks that Carol was a great Kate mentor, but a bad mom.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and, and even if even if part of her anger and part of her, her uh, the the reason why she was taking her frustration out on these people came from her mother. Victoria has taken responsibility for that. Clearly, she like, e- even if Carol is to blame for some of this stuff. And yeah, I, I think she kind of is. It doesn't matter. Like you, you did it, Victoria. You threw that guy. You threw a dumpster at that guy. That's your fault. You did that. Amy. Yeah. Your mom was shitty to you. Yeah. People told you what to do. And I love, I love Victoria's response. It's like, you were a kid. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. You were a child and your parents told you what to do. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um,
0: right. You had a bedtime. Oh no. That justifies everything.
1: Yeah. And it's so important to look at we've talked so much about change and recovery and and we we have a whole question about change we got some really wonderful answers to our discussion question last week we'll get to that um even if there are extenuating circumstances for why you became the person that did those things you still did the things and you don't get to sit there and say no you should at least take into account the things i've did it's like well that's that's great to understand who you are as a person. It doesn't make what you did okay. Yeah,
0: and it doesn't mean I have to like feel any differently than than I feel as as the victim of your deeds, right? Right. I think um I think that this story is brilliant. Um, one of the things that it's done is it's given us this vocabulary of how people deal with having done bad things, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Like Rain is this example where Victoria legitimately thought that what he did was horrifying and disgusting. But Rain has never for a moment, even in his own internal monologue, been like, you know what? I just wish that people would take into account the extenuated circumstances of the fact that I was in a cult and brainwashed. Yeah. He he internalizes everything and he takes responsibility for everything. Yeah. Even yeah. the stuff where, where other people are like, you know, there you know, there's some there's some you know, you were you were given orders you were in a cult no he he takes responsibility for it and 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 that's like one end of this maybe it's a spectrum maybe it's kind of more of a multi-dimensional thing but um, yeah
1: well and i think that's a really good point because i think the, some of the early versions of rain we see in that room arguing with cradle mm-hmm. and love lost that's what he's doing mm-hmm. he's saying i was brainwashed mm-hmm. it wasn't my fault Like, don't you understand? Don't you understand? It wasn't like uh, the and and his growth as a human being, his growth and his change as a person has been to get away from that person and to become that person you just described, that person who takes responsibility for all of it. No matter it doesn't matter where it came from, Mm -hmm. that he did it. And yeah, that's not where Amy is. Amy is as far away from that yeah. place as possible.
0: Well, I think there's this really interesting idea about the, the specific concept of guilt and the emotion of guilt because Rain is that way for a while and then eventually we see him actually go through the process of saying it's not getting any better. Yeah. And, and the, the guilt is eating away at him and that, that's what actually pushes him to the point of being like, look, I need to take stock and make some changes yeah. and take responsibility because the, this this thing where I blame everything else outside of me is not working. And then then on the opposite end, we have somebody like cradle who doesn't have remorse. And I think that maybe Amy is somebody who doesn't have remorse, who just legitimately doesn't feel bad at all about what she's done. I I think,
1: I think Amy feels guilt, but I think Amy's solution for assuaging that guilt is not fix myself. mm -hmm. It's fix the other person. And yeah. I mean that ties in very nicely with her power, right? Because Amy can't fix herself, right? Like yeah. her power does not work on herself, supposedly. Um, her power only works on others. So this drive to solve my problems by fixing you, mm-hmm. regardless of whether you want it or not.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm on the fence as to whether Amy has ever felt anything like genuine guilt. I, I think that. I think that she's maybe driven more by other people's perceptions of her in, in a narcissistic fashion yeah, than them, she is by fair. by guilt that, that actually originates inside her. Like she's 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 frustrated that Victoria won't see her correctly. Right. Mm-hmm. She's not.
1: Yeah. She, I'm uh, not the person who did that. Yeah. And you can't see that. And and so I need to talk to you to make you see that.
0: Yeah. I mean, and plus, I just I don't feel like at any point she expresses what I would call genuine remorse. So,
1: well, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a quote I I pulled her later and I want to get to it just the way she she frames mm-hmm. some of this stuff.
0: Yeah, um, sure. Let's I mean, I, I let's think, move on because
1: we got we got a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, so like the you know, she said like I think that the moment where she almost says yes was like a, a trigger for you. The moment. Oh, yeah. The moment that was a microcosm for for of everything for me was when she says, I can't help you feeling cornered. You can leave. Leave me alone. That's all I've asked for. About the third thing, she said, stubbornly plowing ahead. What I did, I can explain. Fuck off, Amy. (laughs) Right. Fuck fuck right off.
1: Like, uh, uh, the text, Wild is making it as explicit as possible.
0: Leave. (laughs) Just leave. I can't do anything about that.
1: Yeah. Just leave. That's, yeah, you can. Just do that. I can't help you feeling cornered. You're standing in front of me in the room. You're literally cornering me. Just go. Yeah. And she and she just stubbornly yeah. plowing right ahead. Yeah.
0: She just. She, she has to control it. She has to yep. control everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. I hate it. I love it. I hate it. Um, and then Amy tells her, okay, I did use my power for a second, despite your repeated clear statements that you did not want it. But all I did was I sensed your physical state. And then I understood that. You know, you actually feel these feelings that you've said that you feel many times. And then I flinched away, knocking you unconscious. So that's all that happened. It was fine, as you can see from my explanation.
1: Yeah, which is bullshit. Uh, I mean, well, like, the thing I love about it is Wildbow doesn't directly come out and say this is bullshit, but Amy latches onto this idea of pulling her hand off a hot stove so mm-hmm. much so that she repeats it twice with an a sentence from each other. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what happened. So she touched her. It was like she was burned. She felt she touched her, felt the emotion pulled off. But look, look at how the text actually describes the touch. The touch lasted all of two seconds. Then belated. She pulled her hand away and my consciousness, consciousness went in the other direction. Now, why would we put the word belated in there? Right. Um, Unless we were trying to specifically say like the word belated and the phrase Pulled back like I had just touched a hot stove. Don't, 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 don't go to
0: it again. Yeah, I've never <laughs> held my hand on a hot stove for uh, uh, a two count, a, a, a two Mississippi. <laughs>
1: you would be so burned. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, and and they're like, it's, it's almost like a justifiable half truth because if you weren't quite paying attention, you could maybe buy that lie, right? Um, that that. Sh- she she did just touch her and then pull back and she pulled back and she like it's just the detail of it. And and, and just like you said, like the 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 hot stove thing is like you're ran over a raccoon. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like adding additional detail to this lie that isn't necessary.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. And 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 it's that thing that Victoria has already pegged her as like, oh, she finds she finds a thing and yep. then she keeps coming back to it. Yep. And yep. that's what this is, I think. Yeah. Um, so Amy tells her, I only want an hour of your time and then your team can leave. And Victoria tells her what she wants. She lays out her secret plan, which is try to fix Hunter, get some counseling and then submit to being put in the phantom zone if that doesn't work. Were you surprised by
1: her just decision to kind of reveal the plan here? Yeah,
0: This is one of those things that makes me wonder if, if there's something else, if, if Amy didn't make her a little bit like suggestible or yeah. Or, or whatever um, that's where my
1: brain went i was just like I, I, definitely on the first read i was like man it's just to, to there. there's a line here that could have a delicious wild double meaning where she's like i shouldn't i shouldn't reveal too much uh i couldn't hold my tongue yeah and it's like that like that on on initial read that could be like i i just i just felt the need like mm-hmm. i I had to go but on. am on a second read when more is revealed it could literally just be like i was physically incapable of stopping revealing this
0: i do think it's ambiguous in the sense that it could just be that she's in this terrible horrible state of mind where she's less in control of herself than usual yeah. but but I'm, definitely tip more toward some kind of i don't know if compulsion is the right word but some kind of tweaking
1: on my second read i was i was a little more inclined to the second interpretation mm-hmm. but i mean like the thing is, like, there's so many possibilities here because, mm-hmm. like, we just have no idea what she's done. Yeah. Like Like, by the end of this chapter, we know she was lying about one thing specifically. And so it opens up the world of lies that everything she says has to be doubted and everything she's not saying has to be called into question. Mm
0: hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. So
1: there, there, there is a thing. Mm hmm. There's a thing that I want to zoom in on here that that I find is interesting what Amy's doing here, so she's saying when Victoria is explaining her hate, why she hates her, she says it feels like the hate and that and that kind of idea you're talking about is coming from the side of you that scared me when we patrolled together. When you hurt an a B b child abductor so badly, you had to call me to fix him. This is the second time in this conversation that Amy has brought up their past in a in context of. Victoria would go too far and I would come in and make it right Mm -hmm. and I think this is really interesting because I think this I think this gives you a key into what she's doing like ways in which she's subtly like trying to remind Victoria of how much I did for you how much you needed me. Like, look at look at what I did for you here. Remember, remember when you had me and, and when you would go too far, when you would be that person that would go too far. I was here to help you. And it's just like this, this really like diabolically terrible, like attempt at manipulation. Um, and it might not even be conscious. It might just be like, I think I think, especially because of this, that there is a part of Amy that sees that as the holy grail. uh, That team, that team, glory girl and panacea is what I want to get back to. Um, And and, and this conversation is going to help me fix things. And then we're going to get back to that team. Look how good we were together. This desire to go back to that time, I think, is is pretty core to Amy. And I think I think this kind of reveals that in both a manipulative way and just like a a revealing of, of like a part of her that she doesn't say kind of way.
0: That's interesting. I, I think I also read into it this idea where it's almost a barb. It's almost a like, well, you're not so you're no angel. Right. You, right. You've, yeah. you've done all this terrible. In fact, maybe you've done worse stuff than me, glory girl. Yeah. You know, and, and r- reminding her that she's not. She, she she shouldn't be so high and mighty, maybe is how she might phrase it.
1: Yeah. And um, I, I like the reason I kind of liked my interpretation, because I think it, it ties in nicely to this this idea of stuck in the past first moving on that we've yeah. been talking about throughout this entire book. And then you see Amy as a person who, who maybe looks at that time and is like, oh, if mm-hmm. only, if only I could get back to that. Yeah. And it's not possible. It's just not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Victoria does drop some information and some perspectives that I don't think we've seen framed in this way. She, and so basically she asserts that before she made the wretch, Amy, quote, took all the parts of me you liked and mashed it all together into a big pile of lovey-dovey Vicky you could cuddle with, kiss, use. And this is like, I mean, I, again, this is one of those things where I'm like, maybe I'm dense or willfully ignorant, but but I, I think this is kind of a new and and much worse p- piece of information. And also, um, I think you, you went back and you kind of showed me how this all actually comports perfectly well with Amy's rundown of what happened in that hotel room from Carol's interlude in worm. It's just that of course, Amy told the story in a very Amy fashion where it wasn't explicit and made her seem like it wasn't her fault.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people, myself included, uh, had not fully mapped out the extent to which what happened in that room mm-hmm. happened. Um, and, and this is, I think, bringing absolute clarity to that. Mm-hmm. And 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 so let's be let's be clear as we bring clarity to this. The text here is confirming what was what what, what happened here during the days in which Amy was trying to heal and, and and then subsequently retchified Victoria. She was using her in in incredibly inappropriate ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the book does not explicitly go further than those hugs and kisses and comfort, but it doesn't need to it's, it's drawn the implication and it's allowed you to, to go to the, the logical end of that conclusion. Yeah. And it doesn't have to say that. And I'm glad it did. I'm glad it didn't.
0: Well, but, I, I mean, and I think e- even if it is hugs and kisses and, and comfort, um, and doesn't involve any other physical aspects, that's still, uh, uh completely, violating and and deeply traumatizing thing to happen.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. a 100%. Yeah. Especially given that the, Victoria in this moment has still been um mind controlled into being in love with her. Right. Um which it, it it's horrifying. And yeah. and yeah, like let's let's be honest here. Like this was said in Worm. It yeah. was. It is in there. Go read Carol's Interlude. If you have not gone and read Carol's Interlude recently, go read Carol's Interlude again. Amy says as much in mm-hmm. that, and yeah, I mean, I, I I will fully, fully admit to not drawing the completeness of that picture enough in my mind. Um, but the the book has now in the sequel has now done it for us in an in if if there was some ambiguity to it before, it is not ambiguous anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this
1: happened and it's terrible and and it's it's basically happening again.
0: Yeah, right. And and I mean, I think it's it's like you've said a, a couple of times, it's almost worse that we don't know what, what Amy has done just now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, Victoria has remembered this, uh, which apparently Amy has, had blocked out this incident. And Victoria has now routed around the memory. And Amy is upset, I guess, to find that now Victoria remembers it. Like what's funny or not funny, but, you know, gross, is that she's not like remorseful. She's like, ah, you, you remembered, right? Like yeah. it's, it's a really kind of gross moment where she's, she's she's, she's not sad. It happened. She's sad. Victoria remembers it. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How did, yeah. You got around my, she just casually drops out those memory blocks, which uh-huh. like for a se- the first time I read this, I was like, what, what memory blocks? Right. And then, and then you kind of slowly remember that throughout this book, Victoria has ha- every time she's searched for memories of that moment, um, they haven't, haven't really come. And like, I think in it, 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 when I was reading those moments, it was like, it's just cause like she's mentally blocked them herself because she doesn't want to deal with that stuff. Uh, and we learned to know it's, it was a literal memory block put in there by someone else Um, to. So, so when Victoria said, no, keep my memories, restore my memories, Amy followed her to the letter of what she said, which is, I want to remember the two years I was the wretch. Um, it, She was fully happy to keep the memories of what she did to her hidden. And, uh, and, and I think the implication here, I don't know if it, if this is 100% accurate, but um, um, uh, the the implication here is that whatever weird stuff was going on with Angle's emotional power, like triggered sense memory in her. And that the specific sen- sense memory type things routed around the blocked memories, you know, like mm-hmm. smells and like the way you smell, the way, the way smell is tied to your memory is very interesting thing in a different kind of way than just normal like memory recall is right. so i think just what what angle does this the the feelings that she gives to people um is a, is a specific thing that like reroutes your sure. brain a little bit
0: and, and it's a it's a power and we know and like powers you know can do wonky things so for all yeah. we know like her her power directly taps into victor uh, victoria's brain and and finds memories that it wants to use. And maybe those are memories that were blocked off. But now there's a power that that is making them accessible. So uh, I would like that. I did not make that connection at all. That, that Engel was involved. But when we reflect on the way Victoria was reacting to Engel's presence. It definitely makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah I think that was. If we look back at the moment where suddenly. Like she specifically says. Suddenly she's recalling things that she hadn't thought about. And, and mm-hmm. it's like whoa. Suddenly I'm back to this moment. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like bowls her over a little bit because she's not expecting that yeah yeah it's because thanks thanks amy thanks for doing that for me it was really nice just do terrible things to me and then if you erase my memory of them uh they they never happened right that's how that works
0: mm -hmm. yeah i like your comparison to smell though because it's a kind of involuntary memory in the pristine sense of the word yeah yeah um yeah so victoria eventually or did you want to
1: Yeah, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this, the victim speech for a little bit, Um, because we're getting near the end of the conversation. And and uh, Amy basically says, you are a victim, Victoria. I'm not denying that what happened was horrible and unconscionable. And it eats me up inside. But I'm a victim, too. The Slaughterhouse Nine came after me. I lost my family. I lost you. What happened wounded both of us and impacted the both of us in a massive way. So, first of all, you don't get to tell your victim that you're a victim. Like, that that's not. <laughs> fuck yeah. you. Second of all, look at how she phrases this. What happened was horrible yeah. and unconscionable. Not what I did right. was horrible and unconscionable. What happened wounded both of us. Not what I did. I lost my family. I lost you. No, you didn't lose you didn't lose Victoria. You destroyed Victoria. And, and this is worded in such a passive, um, non-responsible way. Like it eats me up inside. I I think like, I want to believe there's some guilt in Amy somewhere, but I think you're right that this phrase, it eats me up inside. I just don't buy it. I don't buy that. You really feel guilty for a thing. You can't even admit that you did.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I I hate this, <laughs> right? Yeah. It, this is, this is so, it's so consistent. Like yeah, it's so, it's so realistic in its complete, um, self justification and inability to consider. I mean, it, this is just more evidence. I think that she doesn't really feel bad about it in terms of like, like in, in, inwardly. She, she feels bad that Victoria is mad at her. Yeah. She doesn't feel, she doesn't feel remorseful. She doesn't feel yeah. regret. Yeah. And, it, and she certainly hasn't changed.
1: No. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you understand? This is hard on me, too. Right. What I did to you. Fuck yeah. you. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. And again, I think this is coded language. I think these are things that people in real life argue yeah. when they abuse people.
0: Yeah. Um, this really, is hard
1: yeah. on me, too. This is hard on me, too. Like, yeah, I went to jail and I lost you. That's hard on me. It's like, no, you You went to jail because you did a terrible thing. Like. No.
0: Right. Right. Well, I I think I think that um, every every person when they make a mistake, there's an impulse in the moment to blame things outside of yourself for for why you made that mistake. The difference between. This is a blanket statement, not one that I would normally make, but I don't know any smarter way of saying this right now. The difference between a good person and a bad person is whether (laughs) after that initial moment of blaming the child for dropping the ice cream on the ground for why you yelled, you say, well, that was shitty. I shouldn't have yelled at the child. They're a child. They're going to drop ice cream. It's my fault. I feel bad. I'm going to try to do better and not yell at the child for things that children do. And then you change. Right. A bad person just says, fucking child. Yeah. You're not getting any more ice cream ever. Yeah, right.
1: Because I mean, because it is true that Amy is a victim, right? Like what the Slaughterhouse Nine did to her is terrible. The thing she had to do, like her, the person her father was, what what the 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 coldness with with which Carol raised her. These are terrible things, absolutely, unquestionably terrible. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't matter. Like it doesn't. You, like you don't get to hold that up as a shield to protect you from consequences of your actions. And that's what she wants to do. You shouldn't be mad at me, Victoria. You should be friends with me, Victoria. You should forgive me because the slaughterhouse nine fucked with me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Ugh, ugh.
0: so eventually Victoria tells her that she'll give her 15 minutes, not the hour she's asking for. And then Amy starts with a little bit of an info dump designed to appeal to the Cape nerd in Victoria. And we happen to know that Amy's pretty spot on with her Cape stuff because we have the privileged information of being readers.
1: Yeah, we get a little more, uh, a little bit more color to what we kind of already knew, like this idea that the city is a lake. And and the lake is cracking, breaking, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, and and the, the the more powerful capes, the heavier they are. So they can't stay on the ice because the ice will break. So that's why Valkyrie is away. So, yeah, it's it's just enough in line with what we've understood to make it. So this is like the one thing that Amy is saying that I I believe mm-hmm. uh, throughout unquestionably throughout all this thing. This is the one thing that I take her full face value with. Um, I do think it's like it's it's so sneaky that that this is what she goes with. Right. It's like, I'm going to start with the Cape nerd stuff. Like, like it's almost like saying, look, this is, um, this is why you need me. Yeah. Like, cause look at, look at, I, I I'm going to appeal to the exact part of you. I know will appreciate this. Right. And it's, it's manipulative.
0: Yeah. It, it's super manipulative, you know, like, like, I don't mean, I mean, part of this is that she knows Vicky and part of it is maybe like when she did her little mind spelunking, she was like looking for ways that she could just appeal to her. Yeah, I I don't know. But yeah, there is
1: this moment where she says, I'll start with something I know will get your attention. Appeal to the side of you that loves Cape stuff or loved. I don't know if you've changed. I think that's so like it's so fascinating to me. The I don't know if you've changed bit, because like. In 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 Amy's narrative, all she cares about is making sure Victoria is okay. All she cares about is 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 making sure Victoria is the healthiest the best person she could be and it's bullshit like i'm not saying this is true at all but in her head that's what it is and it's like she doesn't know her really like like just like i don't know if you've changed like you i think you still like cape stuff i don't know and i think to me this was like a disconnect between like like victoria ha- has changed she's done work she's put in work over the course of this book and like amy pretends like she's keeping tabs on her pretends like she's seriously concerned with with who she is and what's going on there and um and, and so doesn't doesn't know if she's changed. The other interpretation of this is it's like a dig, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you've left me so out in the cold. I don't even know if you like cape stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like another way of like turning a, a knife a little bit.
0: Good point. I, I hate think it, you're right? Yeah. I hate it. hate it. And uh yeah, the chapter ends with Victoria is saying she needs a break. Amy leaves the room and Victoria looks at her injuries and then she finds that there's a fingernail that can't be accounted for.
1: Yeah, it's a wonderful payoff to that beat we talked about earlier. Like this was set up subtly from the beginning. And when you think about the kind of horrible insanity with which this situation was created, because like Victoria's hand is hurting. There are sutures in it it was sutured together right mm-hmm. but the fingernails back right. so in order to to build this lie the extent to w- with which amy had to manufacture this scenario is horrifying yeah cuz like she definitely grew stuff back with her power but then also like faked a surgery right to make it convincing
0: yeah right
1: what what the fuck
0: yeah, right. It, it, it's the kind of thing where you're, you like a- Amy. Amy seems like a, a bad liar in her conversation. And then stuff like this makes you think like, is there like another level to her to her lies where where she wants her bad lies to be caught so she can get away with her worst lies? I don't know. Yeah. it's It's yeah. very disturbing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like, I think the, it kind of, it kind of takes like once you, like you said, like the stupidness, the dumbness, like this isn't, this isn't the actions of a stupid person. This is the actions of a calculating, scheming person.
0: Yeah. I I think you're exactly right. That's the end of 14.9. I hope everything (laughs) gets better now. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I I hope, I hope you guys are okay. Like that's, that was, that was a rough emotional chapter for everyone, I think.
0: Yeah. Um. Right. I mean, I don't know, just to get meta for a second, I think you and I are, like, way more, like, mad <laughs> in this conversation than we usually are. Like, you, usually there's kind of a, a fun to it, and I'm just like, man, fuck Amy. Yeah, the, yeah. The yeah, whole amount possible.
1: I don't, yeah, yeah, like, I, we like to have fun on the show, we do, but there's some moments that you're just pissed off. <laughs> you're yeah. just pissed off, and you don't want to have fun. Yeah. You don't want to tell stupid jokes, you just want to yell at Amy.
0: Right, yeah. All right, well, let's... Let's do some discussion question cuz that's that's always that's always legitimately fun for me.
1: Yeah, I I, th- I think this will be a, maybe a little more uh, uh, upbeat. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. So
0: the question that we stumbled our way through last week was Kenzie says that Chris will not change. Do you think this is true? Compare Chris's lack of change with another character's successful change. So the first answer was uh from MegaFire in a MegaFire sized post saying Uh, basically ruminating on Chris. Megafire zones in on the fact that Chris seems to specifically target Ashley and Kinsey during these chapters, reminding us that in his own interlude, he said that he almost kind of respected Ashley. And here's a version of Ashley that has so clearly changed for the better. His reaction to that is to attack. He doesn't. He can't believe that she's changed for the better to that extent. And he wants to believe she's faking it, lying even to herself about it. Because if she could do it, that might, uh, sorry, that he might have been able to, as well, and that would mean he made the wrong call in coming to Sheen. And Chris doesn't want to think of himself as having been wrong. As for Kinsey, Megaphire points out that Kinsey might not be the one that brings out the best in him. Sorry, might, might be yeah. might, might be the best uh, might be the one that brings out the best in him, and, and he's therefore desperate to scare her off as a nice reversal of the way Kinsey's relationships tended to go before. Um, even some of his jokes, like a compliment from you is like herpes from a hooker, Ken's, It's a given. Um, are are just more biting rehashes of jokes that he's made earlier um and and then they pull out this quote getting an i like it from kenzie is like getting a participation medal from a school event everyone gets one and yeah i like that i mean i think i think that's right he's he's just um he's lashing out specifically in fact more at the people who he um who, who he actually likes yeah. yeah,
1: I really liked Megafire pointing out that joke thing because it is it's just like a, he just he just rehashed a joke you already get. And it's like, Chris, you can't even do better jokes. It's just yeah. a it's just a cruder version of the one you already made. Come on.
0: Right. Dude. He's just being cruder and meaner with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: All right. Uh, Dancing Anatolia says that I think Kenzie's speech actually might inspire Chris to change his life up. He thought he was doing everything right and no one ever challenged him because he's the biggest asshole he knows. So when Kenzie roasted his toast off using cruelness and insight in equal measure, it might have actually gotten through to Chris by virtue of speaking down to his level. He might actually listen to people if they stop using hippy-dippy comfort zone creative, creating therapy talk. <laughs> uh, j- joking aside, I do think that that says something interesting about like how not all methods of therapy work the same on all people like some are more receptible to certain things than others mm-hmm. um, and, and I think it is true that maybe um, Jessica's method was not the best for Chris I don't know
0: yeah I mean he definitely seems like the kind of person who's going to use sarcasm as a shield and there's no better way around sarcasm than uh, being super shitty <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: that's true that's true
0: Um, EXE JPEG Windows Movie Viewer compares Chris's current state with each member of Breakthrough. They say Rain stuck it out with the team, despite it being the hardest for him. Yet Chris bails at the first opportunity. Ashley routinely goes against her darker inclinations and Chris seems to be fully indulging them. Tristan and Byron, uh, have better reconciled their, their relationship between themselves and others. And Chris actively antagonizes pretty much everyone he knows. Sveta's physical transformation is far more realized than Chris's current mishmash form. I could go on, but I think the point is pretty clear. Chris isn't redeemable, but he clearly is the worst-case scenario of everyone in Breakthrough. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember from the seating chart thing this idea that everyone has things in common with each other, but Chris is actually one who has kind of the most overlap with, with everyone. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. And the
1: ways in which—yeah, I like the ways in which he is specifically— Failing, yeah. Uh, map to w- the ways in which everyone else is succeeding. I think I like that's that. really great. Love it. Kausubalu V2 says, "I think that Ward is a story about recovery from trauma." I agree. It shows that it's not an easy thing, that the path is full of pitfalls and backtracking and barriers to being okay, but also that, eventually, with enough perseverance of support and blood and tears, you can make real progress and get a little bit better. We see this through Breakthrough as a whole, and in Chris and Amy, we see what it looks like when someone doesn't try to recover, improve, and painfully take another step forward. Chris is someone with a whole lot of trauma. His parent. He has parent-slash-clone issues, he has terrible body image issues, and he definitely has some sort of emotional issues. He has not handled them well. Chris has responded to his issues by self-medicating with a literal cocktail of drugs and by deliberately alienating himself from the people who most cared about him. He has surrounded himself by enablers by going to Shin and has made himself miserable as a consequence of his self-destructive behavior. By comparison, the members of Breakthrough have actively sought out support structures, imperfect though they may be. Each one has confronted their trauma with the help of people around them, and each one seems to be better for it. Have they completely recovered? Absolutely not. But they are trying to be better, and to some extent, have even managed with with one another's support. Yeah, it's a good like overall like like Chris rumination. I like that.
0: Yeah, and and kind of uh, I like it because it's kind of a circumspect look at where everyone is and how far they've come. I like that. Yeah, cool. Simi urge says, I think Chris is falling into the pattern of the villains we've seen in Ward so far, and that they are the fail states, for lack of a better term, in getting better, and that the fail state he in particular presents is central to the plot. What I see as the thread between all these villains is a choice. Do I want to get better, or do I want to survive? And what has made them villains is that they choose survival. As we see so viscerally demonstrated in Chris's interlude, he is someone who's driven by the urge to survive. He rebels against Labrat's indoctrination to survive as himself. He mutates himself to evolve into a more powerful form. He defects to Amy to be on the side of the powerful and to have experimental opportunities to improve his tech. Yet he's also someone who's chosen at risk to himself to help others. That's the synth- that, that that's the synthesis of Ward that I think Wildbo is building to through the character of Chris. Do. I want to survive or do I want to get better is a false dichotomy. We survive and we get better through each other. Love it. Love that. Love that.
1: Especially that last line. I really liked that a whole lot.
0: Right. Yeah. Because 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 it's the false it's the false dichotomy that these villains are trapped in out of fear. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that does lead them to worse and worse choices.
1: Yeah. Really great. Yeah. Well answered. Uh, Bisexual Punch Party <laughs> says, uh, change requires one, acknowledgement that something is wrong, two, a willingness to change, and three, putting in the work. Chris recognizes that he's unhappy with who he is, but his focus has been on tinkering the right chemical solution to physically change his body. He's too lazy and immature to put in the effort it would take to change who he is as a person. Even worse off is Amy, who won't even admit to herself how badly she keeps fucking up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Um, beard of valor says one of the ways we talk about change is a delta this might come up in math or hard science delta t uh how much did the temperature change delta v what was the change in velocity chris is obsessed with putting distance between himself and what lab rat wanted him to be he sees that as a distance measured from humanity Uh, he wants to become something else but he's been running from not running to yeah
1: I figured you'd like that cuz it's math.
0: Yeah, it's got some math to it. Yeah, and <laughs> and and I guess that's the thing about that the thing about expressing it that way is you can always make that number bigger. So how do you know when you're done?
1: Yeah, that's true. Toast Ghost 18 uh chooses to compare Chris with Sveta. Chris wants to abandon his humanity and embrace monstrosity to fix what he sees is wrong with himself, and he has the means to do it. He may have to go through some less than sparkly moral choices to do it with the experimentation on both himself and the Shin clones, but he'll do it to get where he wants to go. Sveta, on the other hand, was a monster who desperately wanted to return to the humanity she can only barely remember, once again serving as a mirror to Chris wanting to escape the past he is haunted with memories of. However, she was not a tinker, or a changer, or knew of any way to resolve her humanity, monstrosity, conundrum. So she resolved to work on herself the best way she can, mentally and emotionally. Chris wanted to change his outside to fix his inside, and that was his focus. Sveta, on the other hand, knew that resolving that issue was impossible— so she worked to fix the inside, not the out. She found ways to improve her life, not to wallow in some perfect concept that may either be unachievable or even toxic to her mental state. Yes, eventually something came about that let Sveta resolve the outside too. But I think one can almost view that as an extension of her progress on the internal front. I like that inside versus outside uh, comparison a whole lot. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And and I, I like I like the idea that Sveta changed her Sveta was able to take control and 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 improve herself internally and and her reward for that was a solution to her external problem um almost as if it's saying take the hard work to work on yourself, and the other part could maybe be solved for you
0: yeah, I mean, I think that you could argue Chris has been looking for a quick fix to to his issue and and Sveta did the hard work of the slow fix for a very, very long time and maybe you could argue took it as far as it could realistically go mm-hmm. before and she wasn't even the one who reached out to orchard anyway so yeah
1: yeah well i mean once again showing that what uh i forget the last guy the person that said it but that community like yeah. that, that false dichotomy you get better through other people yeah
0: other people other people help you and, and pull you up yeah Yep. love it yep. Farm Hornets says most of the Bow characters who make a big change do so when they're hit with some sort of big consequence that makes them reconsider their perspective. Chris hasn't had that yet. As far as he can tell, lying and being an obnoxious piece of shit moves him toward his stated goals just fine. Those habits got him a place to stay, then a place on a cape team, then prime seating for a bunch of cape fights, and they eventually carried him all the way to tyrant slaying and partial ownership of a planet. So from his perspective, why would he want to change? For comparison, I think the most surprising change in Ward was the one we got a look at from the very beginning, Victoria Dallin. Victoria changed because she learned that it was sorry what it was like to be powerless and subjected to someone else's will. She had two long years without much to do except reflect on how she could have been better and possibly avoided all the tra- tragedy, and the changes in her attitude and tactics show it. Her lack of empathy and awareness made her blind to the danger Amy was growing into. Now she treats everyone more gently when she can even her enemies because she puts the responsibility for what happened partly on herself and she refuses to let anything like it happen to anyone else. Yeah, I love it.
1: I like it, that. I, I like this fun, this 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 fundamental idea that that to, to get to a place of change like there has to be some sort of kind of motivation to that sometimes like. Yeah, I think very few people just decide I'm going to change now. Um,
0: Right. I mean, I I don't know. I I can like personally trace all of like my what I feel to be like personal growth in in maturity specifically to like terrible failures on my part where I was like, oh, God. Yep. That was that was me. That was my that was my failure. And and there's no other choice but to look at it and figure out what I did wrong and and grow from that. Yeah. Because if that doesn't happen, then you I mean, yeah, like there's a lot of really. There's a lot of really uh, uh, there's a lot of pricks out there who, who never realize they've made mistakes or never make mistakes and this never grow. So, yep. yeah,
1: I agree. Yeah. Cool. Lostman138 says one problem that Chris and Amy have is they're still under the influence of people who created them one way or another. Amy is still trying to some way please people and Chris is trying to do what Labrat ordered him to do. Do something big. I bring this up as Breakthrough has issues that can be traced to certain people and easily argued that, that the group has in some ways inherited their problems. However, what makes them different to Amy and Chris is that they are actively fighting against their programming. Kenzie is trying to fix her problems and no longer lives with her parents. Rain has rejected the fallen ideology. Sveta is trying to make herself more human. Ashley has become a hero. Vera brothers, I'll get back to you later. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Interesting. <laughs> I do okay. like that
1: idea, as like that idea of moving away from the source of your your trauma, um, as a, a good way. Yeah, sure. To to, to head towards recovery. Uh, yeah. whereas Chris is actively still being lab ratty. Amy is actively just doing the same thing she did again.
0: Yeah, just, just still doing it. It makes a lot of sense. It's it's a kind of it's a very simplifying way of of laying it out, actually. Yeah. FIP Industries says. My Doyleist interpretation of the matter is that he will eventually change because he is a main character, like he is a part of the original group. And knowing Wildo, I don't feel he will leave his character as just statically bad. That would just be too simple. Now, the particular way in which he will be redeemed, I have no idea. He could see the error of his ways and return to Gimel with breakthrough by his own volition. He could be pushed to a breaking point and then he chooses the right thing. He could be shown as rotten through and through, and then at the last second, he does something meaningfully good uh, to then promptly die. Uh, But that would be aping Alex arc. On top of that, there is the Watsonian explanation, the way he calmly says, say what you really think, instead of biting back or pushing away or running away as if he was defeated by Kinsey. feels uh, leads me to, to think that on some level he was lashing out precisely because he was looking to be taken down. On some level, his self-loathing was looking for someone to point out the ways in which he sucks because maybe subconsciously he wants a wake-up call. He is miserable on Sheen, and he he is filled with regret, and maybe this will be the thing that makes him realize his mistake. I know this is a lot to read (laughs) into one simple line, but he's my favorite character, and I really want him to come back to the main story. I I, I love that because I I also – I think we actually kind of didn't talk adequately about say what you really think. (laughs) yeah. 'Cause it was this it's this moment where like it's almost like he's trying to be quippy, but he there's no force behind it. He's yeah, just that, kind of flatly says it, it.
1: Yeah, it totally fails. Yeah, I yeah. like that a lot too. I, I I don't think anyone, especially on this podcast, will ever fault you for reading too much into a single <laughs> line. So you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean I, I, I like that I like that idea of like like tell me, like I I am incapable of doing this myself. So I need someone else to call me out because again, that, again, t- attaches to our idea of community. And it's through other people that you are able to get better. Um, and yeah. I, I, I sincerely hope you're right, FIP Industries. I, I like Chris a lot, too, and I want um, I want him to be better as well.
0: Yeah, thanks for the answers, everyone. I actually felt like um, reading these gave me a number of new kind of angles to think about these things. And um, I, I'm kind of hoping that they sink into my brain and I use these <laughs> perspectives going forward because yeah. – I like several times I was like, yeah, hey, (laughs) I I like that. And that sounds right. And that sounds important. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. For sure. So our discussion question for this coming week is uh, discuss an interesting example of playing with format or playing with the conventions of a medium, um, how it was executed and what the effect was from any piece of media. For example, uh, the five dots in fourteen nine, or the space warping in twelve x.
1: Yeah, so we're not just limiting it to parahumans humans this week. Uh, any media, any yeah. media that uses that is playing with the formatting in in interesting ways, like those those two ones.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, collating the answers because I might try to avoid spoilers, or or maybe maybe y'all try to avoid spoilers in your answers if possible. Um, yeah, just, if possible. If yeah. possible, just because I I don't I don't know if. People listen to this podcast so they can be spoiled on like 10 different random properties. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. that's all we got for you this week on We've Got Ward. You guys are all part of this show, so feel free to provide us with advice, questions, or thoughts on this week's reading.
1: You can reach out to us via email at gotwormpod at gmail.com or over on our Twitter account at gotwormpod. My personal Twitter is at scottdaily85 and Matt's is at dglove town.
0: glove a mail Double gloves. <laughs> If you're not already subscribed to We've Got Ward, we strongly recommend you do so and never miss an episode. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else in the world you can listen to podcasts.
1: And you can find all the other shows we do over at our website, www.doofmedia.com. That's where you can find the Doofcast. This week we are covering the first season of The Expanse, the sci-fi television show. We're also uh, holding our book club a week from yesterday, this coming Monday, where we're talking about 100 years – Solitude, the Nobel Prize winning novel. Um I'm looking forward to that conversation a lot. It's a very interesting book.
0: Yeah, and uh go check out Deep Impact as well. They're getting into one of my favorite parts of the story.
1: What story is that?
0: Uh Pact. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Huh? What? <laughs> uh and if you like any of our shows and you want to support them, consider donating to our Patreon account patreon.com/doofmedia. You can donate a dollar a month or whatever else you can afford. Supporting us on Patreon gives you tons of great bonuses like voting in our quarterly fan art and content and costume contests, Q&A sessions uh, with Scott and I, access to live streams of our recording sessions, and uh, our excellent Discord chat. Special thanks this week to New Bidoof's Owen J. and Nathaniel P., both at the $1 level. We really appreciate y'all. Yeah, thanks, Um, guys. And thanks for making all this happen. And as always, make sure you go over to Wildbo's Patreon, patreon.com slash Wildbo, and donate to him as well. This is his world. We're just playing in it.
1: And it's a cruel, cruel world. (laughs) um if you cannot afford to donate right now that is absolutely okay there are tons of ways you can help us out you can share this podcast and you can leave us ratings and reviews um you could do that on apple podcasts but you can do that other places too matt did you know what that other places have reviews um this week's spotlight review comes from our our pal nuke noodles uh who left a review on our stitcher account for this podcast i didn't know you could do that cool you you can awesome (laughs) Nuke Noodles gives us five stars over on Stitcher and says, The high quality of this podcast make me look forward to walking my dog in sub-zero temperatures. <laughs> yeah. Starting from We've Got Worm and continuing into We've Got Ward, Matt and Scott offer a great combination of literary analysis, great recurring jokes, and wonderfully awful puns. Despite reading Worm multiple times and lurking on the subreddit for years, Matt and Scott never failed to present a fresh perspective on Wildbow's work. Their constant work and support of the community inspired me to introduce several friends to Worm, support Wildbow on Patreon, and attempt a Weaver Dice campaign. Thanks for showing me new and great ways to love one of my favorite works of fiction. Well, thank you so much, Nuke Noodles. Nuke Noodles is a uh, one of our our patrons on Discord and is in our Starcraft league. Yeah, and they're very great. Strong Starcraft player. Yeah, very good, very good Zerg player. Those yep. teethy boys.
0: Yep, and and th- thanks for those kind thoughts. I really appreciate that. And yeah, we really appreciate l- it. L- glad you've l- glad we were able to to enrich your life in in this way. Yeah that's it for this week's show next week on the show we continue with breaking
1: i'm tired of all the people breaking can we stop the I know. breaking
0: hopefully we can start with the repairing
1: what is a, a light term for repair a Light uh, well, a, su- a sun based term for repair yeah,
0: i don't want to say healing because e- yeah <laughs>
1: that's got some connotation it does
0: we'll figure know. this out next time <laughs> well. Sintering.
1: Okay.